0: everyone, Welcome to the OFT podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voll, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith over at onefootdown.com on the SB Nation Network. And with me, pretty much as always, is senior editor Jude Seymour and our court jester, Brendan McAlinden. Fellas, what's happening? I am
2: five episodes deep in Andrew Kendrick's new HBO Max show, Love Life. And I love Andrew Kendrick, but I'm not sure I love Love Life.
1: You were a bolder man than me. I, I, uh, I saw the trailer for it and I did not want to uh,
0: dip my toe in the water. Uh, I'm just brutally pissed that uh, HBO switched up all their stuff. Now I can't. It won't let me watch the HBO Max on my phone. I pulled that out the other night and it's like, you got to go from HBO now to HBO max. I'm like, all right, slick. Let's do that. And then it still wouldn't let me <laughs> like, what the hell is going on here? I mean, we're, uh, we by the Amazon right package, Firestick. Yeah. Yeah. We're fire stick uh, in Roku
1: house. And uh, it's not even an option for us. So I don't need to worry about oh, it. Uh, I believe,
2: uh, my friend may have procured this from the uh, darkest of webs for me to watch.
0: Uh, <laughs> ah. ah, yeah. I mean, I got, I have it ordered yeah, up I, on my on my Fire Stick, and so you, with that account, you're supposed to be able to watch it on the app on your on your phone. At least it did before, and now it's not because you know good things must always be altered. Sorry, man, you're not missing much there, so far. Yeah, I'm not worried about that show in particular. I, <laughs> <laughs> there is probably other shows uh, more pressing at the at the moment. I'm also here to tell you, uh, Space Force, uh, not that funny. There's a, a lot of
2: talented people in it, but uh, you know, I basically it, just consumed the entire first season and was just like, "eh, that was a show." It had its moments. There, it had its moments. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I, I, I think I, I think I laughed out loud twice in ten episodes. So, I might
0: have, I might have had a little better sense of humor about it, but not maybe not that much. It was entertaining, uh, but it, a, a, I guess if you just based off the premise, I thought it could have been better. Uh, maybe more interactions with uh, with the Air Force General would have been <laughs> would have been a little better. I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, well, I didn't know if it was trying to be Veep or The Office or a
2: little bit of both or you know. It felt like a little bit of both. Yeah, and to be honest with you. Both those shows did it way better than this one is, but I'll probably watch the second season. So there you go.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I'll for sure watch the second season. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, now that you bring up Veep, maybe I'm just craving more Veep. Uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 had, it. it
2: had me longing for Veep. So that would be a show I'd recommend before I recommend Space Force.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Brendan, do you get a chance to watch any of that? That's Space Force? <sighs>
1: No, no, I uh, I don't find uh space to be particularly
0: funny. It's very serious business. <laughs> the 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 void, of the darkness is just too much for you.
1: I mean, if no one can hear you scream out there, how can they hear you laugh? <laughs> can
0: can anyone hear you cheer for that first out in the third quarter against USC in Los Angeles?
1: <laughs> no, they can't. So I just uh yeah, no, I haven't uh uh, I, I haven't uh, I haven't gotten on the space force uh, yet still uh consume the, the latest castle rocks so that's uh, that's where we're at all right
0: well all right y'all we are uh, you know obviously the country is is I mean th- is, everything is turned upside down and um, you know there are a lot of opinions out there, a lot of voices that need to be heard and should be heard. Uh, in The Black Lives Matter movement, and it is important. And I, I don't want to speak for everybody at the site at all because that's not my job. Uh, but I do, uh, I do hope you know good comes out of all this, and I wish the safety for everyone involved uh, out in the protests. Uh, some of it has been brutal and terrible, and uh, you know I. I I feel myself at a loss for words. I've had conversations with my wife left and right, uh, and, you know, and our kids about what's been going on. Uh, and it's just, uh, I don't know, man, you, you have your opinions, but you, there's no, I don't have solutions and I'm not even sure if I am okay to, uh, to talk intelligently about a whole lot of it. Uh, but I do know there are a lot of people out there that are hurting. Uh, there is, you know, some definite bad stuff going on. And I really wish the best, uh, you know, for for all that. Uh, but, you know, as we said the last week of the podcast, we're we're, we're here to try to be a little bit of a, of a change up, uh, something for you to, you know, this stuff weighs on, on you know, on your minds and on your hearts. And, and we understand that. And so we're here to as a little bit of a change up for you. We don't, we don't need to keep beating you down uh, with with the real world out there. Uh, we are trying to just entertain you, uh, and make you smile, uh, make you feel good for, for a minute or two. So we good with that stance fellows.
1: I can subscribe to that. 100%. You
2: know, it wasn't my grand grandfather, but somebody's grandfather said you have two guy gave you two ears and one mouth and, uh, use them proportionally, you know? So, uh, I, I've been doing a lot of listening and, and probably not as much talking, but, you know, Drew Brees is doing enough talking for the white folks, so I think, oh. it, I, think I think we got it all under control.
1: Uh, Dabo Sweeney had a 14-minute uh, speech today that uh, went about as well as you could have hoped uh, for Dabo Sweeney. I don't um, think I would
2: give Dabo Sweeney 14 seconds of my life, let alone 14 minutes. That just it seems like I'm I'm asking for a for a, for a, for a uh, just to hate <laughs> we myself.
0: Talk, We've talked yep, about this before yep. the show. Did he even say anything, Brendan? uh but yeah you, he he supports
1: black lives matter and oh, uh it's a week later to say that yeah um there was a lot of other things uh that he said did, i didn't I, he, he did also say know. that his coach
2: never never said the n-word and then three seconds later said his coach said the n-word
1: um yeah yeah perhaps yeah. perhaps that might have uh that might have transpired but um you know it was kind of hazy uh i believe uh he uh uh, B Y O E, bring your own excuses, as Dabo is apt to do. Um,
2: is he? Do, is he still doing that? Gosh darn, we're all just sinners in, in Christ's eyes, so we're just doing, trying to do the best we can.
1: He is. He is. He is trying to. He's trying to, to carry carry that bucket.
2: It's a sinful um, world, dude. Sinful world. Okay. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I, I don't I'm not a huge fan of cancel culture, but if Davos Sweeney got canceled, it, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So he's just It'd be he's good a, for us. He's a bad mindset. <laughs> so.
0: It's uh, I did see fine Bamba, uh Put him under the coals a little bit today, uh, which, you know, isn't out of the realm. I mean, fine Bamba will do that to anybody for just about anything, well, uh, but I see did. Him. But I did find it. I did find his tone and the and the word words that uh, Feinbaum used uh, when I was reading it uh, little it was interesting. Yeah, he d- disappointed. His disappointment of Dabo was uh, uh, more personal than I than I thought it would be. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm disappointed. I mean, I mean, I've I, talked I, shit about Dabo for years, but I've always I've always prefaced it with you know. He seems like a great guy though. You know, he just annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. Uh, he does a and, lot of like and, philanthropist. And, and now my, 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 uh, seems like a great guy. It's, it's, uh, that preface. I, I, I don't I'm not able to use that. I gotta I be honest with was you. Was, I
2: haven't thought Devo is a great guy for a couple of years now. Like didn't just, a co- wasn't like, did we whitewash this whole thing where he was like, I don't think college players should get paid. And once they do, I'm going to go somewhere else and do something else.
0: Oh no, people. Uh, that, that's oh, no, still we out there. We've like, talked about that. That's the yeah, thing that I've, definitely happened, right? That. Yeah, yeah. And he's getting paid nine million dollars a year. Yeah. Sure is. Yeah. Which uh, I by mean, the way, it's you. what
1: doesn't make sense to me in terms of Dabo is that he does a lot of good, you know, philanthropy and um, you know, habit, he builds Habitat for Humanity and he does donate a lot of money to um, you know struggling communities and um, you know people not well off. And he opposes himself to be a, a Christian, and he, he is. I'm not going to take that away from him, but I just don't understand the sort of like how you can oppose that sort of thing and take the stance that he did at this particular juncture. And I don't know where I heard it, but somebody did bring up the fact that, like, in the time that we're at now, um, the parable of the lost sheep is the most. Uh, that should be the response to anyone that has anything to say other than to just support right and that's when right. uh, you know yeah y- y- you have a hundred sheep and then you lose one Jesus has you know he says you have a hundred sheep and you lose one and doesn't he then leave the ninety nine to go after the lost sheep until he finds it and if you're a Christian shouldn't that be shouldn't that be something that's very like right there for you to, to lean back on. And he just didn't. And that's where I find him to be the most lacking.
0: I just, I thought what, but, uh, but, Jones said, uh, like last week, I think it, it might've been that long ago about Dabo was probably the mo- most telling where he's just like, look, this guy is in a bubble. He's a complete, not that, not that Bamani was excuse, you know, was forgiving or excusing anything that Dabo said, But he's like, I understand exactly what he's saying or trying to say because he's just he's in this small little bubble. And hell, yeah, he, you know, he came from a poor family and now he's got this and that. He thinks America is great and there's nothing wrong with all that uh, because that's all he's seen and known. And that's the problem. It's because he's not listening. He's just uh, going off his own personal experience and dismissing the personal experiences of all those, uh, you know, around him.
2: Well, and I don't know if it was De- Bomani made this point, but I, I thought it was really interesting. Was Bomani said? I think it was Bomani who said. Basically, Dabo made it, so he thinks everyone should be able to make it. But he never noticed all the instances in which his his whiteness helped him along the way. You know, right? And so uh, we're not we're not saying that Dabo isn't somebody that if you're poor and struggling, you can't look up to. But but also, it's not as easy for for a young black kid to uh to replicate the Davos winning model. I, you know, and I, I think Davos doesn't understand that. Right.
0: All right. Well, we are going to we are going to very awkwardly <laughs> slide slide into uh into what we were going to talk about tonight. Um I got a couple of reviews. You guys want to hear those? Yeah, absolutely. Only if they're five star. Okay. Well, what's all we're getting now? <laughs> we got great listeners out there, great, fantastic listeners. Um, except for maybe this next uh, comment might not be a great listener, uh, and that's from uh, from, they wrote it phonetically, so maybe uh, penitent Uh <clears throat> it says best ND podcast. I'm an ND fan out in Tucson. This is the most entertaining Notre Dame football podcast. Your podcast is both entertaining and insightful. Brendan's interjections are hilarious. Might as well use this opportunity to force Josh to say, Jude is always right. I'm sorry, dude, <laughs> for arguing with you because you are always right. Keep up the good work, guys. It's fucking horseshit. That guy's clearly listening. Clearly, <laughs> clearly a long time listener. It uh, clearly uh, uh, needs, he's been off his meds for a week. Do I need to Venmo fi- somebody five bucks for that? That was pretty awesome. <laughs> I think you already did. <laughs> 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 That's why it's uh, up. So uh, thank you, Penitent Cherie. We appreciate the that. Uh, and again, before I read the next one, listen, leave a rating review over there on Apple Podcasts. Uh, whatever review you leave, I will read on the site. Obviously, I just
1: <laughs> scorched
0: with that one, uh, so it, it is true. It is true. Uh, but uh, we really appreciate the support and. Uh, and the ratings, this lets us know what y'all like. And it seems like you guys really like what we're doing, but even if you don't like something we're doing, please let us know. There's I the, you know there's, we do like, we have two ears and one mouth <laughs> person, as you just said, uh, <laughs> I, I want to hear what, uh, what y'all got to say. So uh, next one, five stars from Nat SNY 85. Oh boy. I'm writing this just so I can hear a haunted doll star story. <laughs> Love all the work you guys do. Thank you for jumping from topic to topic and not letting it become bland. Praying for a season this year. Hashtag book it. Hashtag undefeated. Well, thank you. Nice. I, uh,
2: I, so what do we have to do to get the Honda Dell story? Have we done enough?
1: I mean, I said, I said five, and we got two, right? Oh, okay. All right. Well, you said ratings, though. I did say ratings. Oops. I didn't say anything about reviews. I mean, um, I'll tell. I'll, at, the, at the end of the show, we'll see how it goes. At the end of the show, I'll tell you, my ha- I'll tell you the time that I convinced my wife I'll that t- we had a haunted doll in our house. <laughs> I'll tell I'll you tell about you the what. time we almost had to put our house on the market. I'll tell you all about it.
0: I'll tell you what. We will, I'm going to force you to do that. After the Amaboders played, stay tuned for the haunted doll <laughs> story. How about, it, it, it'll probably be more entertaining than 20 seconds of me screaming at Jude. <laughs> but it'll be there for y'all to hear. Uh, all right. So thank you again for those. Uh, so moving right, right along to uh, just some news uh, out of Notre Dame. Uh, recruiting. Picked up a new uh, new recruit, uh, which we're all out there defending. <laughs> Ryan Barnes, uh, three-star quarterback out of Maryland. We're all de- all defending his three-star status right now uh, to fans who are casually uh, dismissing him, uh, and. You know, it's a big commitment, and I realize people scoff at the three-star rating, but it's kind of a big deal. Uh, it's a position of need. Uh, there are many that feel that he is much better than this three-star rating that uh, that he has attached to him right now, and, you know, 6'2", 180, uh, great uh, with the ball in the air. Uh, his ball skills are tremendous uh good instincts, tackles well, he's a bigger, you know, bigger guy. Uh there is one knock on him so far and that is top end speed. Um but that is not quickness. Uh so you could say uh you know like a bigger Julian Love basically. And I think he does project more as like a a, a boundary corner. Uh so think of like Julian Love but taller. Um uh, which isn't which isn't a bad thing.
1: Can I tell you something that's uh not um uh, it's not a hyperbole in any sense, and I mean I'm just putting it out there into the ether. But um, do you know what Kyle Hamilton was ranked on uh, June fifteenth of two thousand eighteen? So the a- same, the the exact same time is now. Do, do you S- know what he was ranked? Something in the eight hundreds or nine hundreds, maybe. He was he was uh, he was five hundred fourteenth at that point. <laughs> he he moved up just a scooch. <laughs> but uh, this time in Kyle Hamilton's recruitment. He was ranked 517th and was a low three-star. I mean, just putting it out there. Uh, there's camps and there's a senior season. Uh, and various well, of people
0: love this kid, so we'll see. That's the thing I, wa- I want to make sure people understand, too, right now. Because of COVID-19, the enti- this entire recruiting class is, I, I don't want to say a crapshoot, but like all the rank, all the rankings and stuff like that, especially like all the movement they've done since then, which has been they've they've re-ranked a few things. None of the they would have some camps, uh, you know, just some personal, you know, guys that haven't been verified in their forties, stuff like that, you know, going on. Especially this summer, none of that's going on, you know. So, you know, how they go about, how these ratings go about there's going to be some misses. I, I, someone said, you know, like, you know, the Mac may end up with a couple of first rounders, you know, just because of the way things are going. And, and it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, you'll see guys like a Kyle Hamilton rise from three-star status up into the stratosphere after a few camps, he's able to show out and then he proves it again in a senior year film. So, you know, in a case, you know, like Barnes, a lot of that has to do with that. You know, it, if they're just worried about his forty time, if he shows up at a camp and runs, you know, runs a good forty, gets it verified, he, that's an instant huge catapult up. I mean, and just the way they talk about him, anyways. I, I, I imagine that he'll get he'll get the four star bump, yeah. uh, one way or another before you know before it's all said and done. So, we're not overstating the importance of of getting him. That that would mean two four star corners, you know, on the on a class. That, with a program that we just have not had the greatest track record of getting four star corners, you know, over the yeah. last you know last ten years. And I he's, uh,
1: he's a six two cornerback that can't be understated enough is like the fit for what this staff is looking for in their cornerbacks and looking for these long length. Someone
0: compared him to Robert Blanton, and I was I was sold. That's exactly what I was thinking too. I was sold. that he's
1: you know six two cornerback, and you say Blanton, sign me up.
2: I saw that uh, former Notre Dame commit Deion Colsey uh, put the Irish in his top 10. I don't really <laughs> think that means anything, but uh, I guess it's good to be
0: nominated. <laughs> well, yeah. yes and no. I mean, I uh, I don't I, I, There's issues with his mom there that uh, talk about distance. I mean, I think pretty much we're all sold on that. He's going to stay. He's going to go to Georgia, stay home, stay close to home because of uh, what's going on with his mom, his mom and everybody around him is wants him to go to ND and it was, and it is his dream school. Uh, so if there is any kind of, if, if you want to have some hope for Notre Dame to end up landing him, um, it would just be that, you know, maybe something changes or there's a family move or so. I, like I mean, and or, or the you epidemiologists see, are wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I'm just saying there's, there's all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that can still happen where that could, cha- you know, haven't changed his mind. There's no timetable really for him as far as what his next move is. I mean, he released the top 10, uh, but I mean, it was shortly after he com- decommitted from Notre Dame, he, you know, he started getting more and more offers I mean, he commit he committed Notre Dame in the middle of, uh, you know, 2019 season. So, you know, I've, it's just, uh, there, there's a long, there's a long ways to go. I, I mean, it's doubtful. I would give Notre Dame like a 15% chance.
1: Speaking of Notre Dame, our players back on campus, Josh
0: today. I, I believe that they are. I, oh, I, I believe God. that they are. Uh, <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. I stepped away from most of the day today. <laughs> uh, I did, really didn't care what was going on. And uh, I, I figured something massive happened. Uh, I would, someone would let me know. Uh, but uh, I do believe that there are players that are on campus. So,
1: There've been a a bunch of schools that have, um, already reported and just about all of them have had some asymptomatic. I think Auburn's the most recent, they've had three Alabama had five. And I think the Alabama players unsolicited and against, I guess, coaches wishes had their own little mini practice with each other. Uh, and five of the players at their mini practice were asymptomatic and tested, um, there's another school that reported and had. Do you know Jude? There was wasn't there another school? There's Alabama, Auburn,
2: Iowa, uh, uh, Iowa. One, Iowa one positive out of two two hundred and thirty seven, I think tested.
1: I think, I think Louisville had three, two. I might be wrong there. I think I think it was Louisville. But so every, I mean, there are asymptomatic, um, definitely players. But, and it, when you see that, it's important to note that if they test positive, Notre Dame doesn't start practice until the twenty second, right? So when they are right. coming onto campus, aren't the idea is is that you bring them in now, you quarantine to get the fourteen day period, and then you can start practicing in sort of a sterilized, safe environment, right?
0: I, I think, think that's the general idea. Uh, but I will say this: most people listen to this podcast. Uh, it's we're recording this uh, on Monday night. Uh, Brian Kelly has a press conference at one o'clock on Tuesday, uh, and I. I would imagine if there were some numbers to come out yep. about tests, uh, maybe that would be the time where we would find out. Um, and then we will probably learn a whole lot more about um, their particular, uh, you know, the, the protocol that they have in place. Yeah. It's going to be more, you know, like more, more specific uh, in nature. Cause I mean, they, they, they a general uh, kind of thing, but, I mean, as far as like, specifics, it's I, I didn't read anything that was clear. Clear.
1: Did you get to submit any questions for Brian Kelly? And did you ask him about the
0: shillelagh on the field again? <laughs> I will. Uh, no, you can't do that until you're uh, till you're logged in. Uh, they didn't answer that question the last time. No, <laughs> and I doubt they'll answer it this time. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to push Notre Dame for a one on one with Brian Kelly. Uh, Here's to the really thing, get the, though. Really get the it, hard answers. That,
1: he might be willing, like, he's going to get inundated with very serious and very, um, you know, whether or not, not it's, yeah, whether it's the
0: COVID or it's the
1: BLM or, you know, the just what's going on in the nation. He might want to have a moment of, um, you know, to step away yeah, and, and thought, talk a
0: little. I thought that life. way back in May.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. That's I submitted two questions. Uh, The rivalry trophy was one. And the other one was about uh, what they had planned on. uh, I asked them about, you know, for the players graduating because of no, you know, the no graduate, no walking and all that stuff. So I had two questions and they, they asked that one, obviously. Yeah, Uh, But I thought, you know, maybe, you know, because to me it was just a whole through the whole, this whole time of COVID-19, like, having someone like Brian Kelly answer a bunch of questions that we pretty much all know the answers to as it is, or they're questions that he has no idea about seems fucking pretty pointless, (laughs) you know? Uh, But I, I think having him, I think, you know, again, people are going to be listening to this uh, either right before or after the press conference on Tuesday. But um, you know, I think given Brian Kelly, this will be a chance to a, check in with, you know, with the media players are here. Maybe it's, you know, we have two guys that, you know, tested positive, blah, 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 blah. Uh, But also another, another chance to, for him to, uh, uh, to speak about Black Lives Matters. And, you know, a lot of Notre Dame players have been involved, uh, you know, in the protests, you know, throughout the country. And, you know, and Brian Kelly was, I won't say he wasn't the quickest coach to get something out there, but he definitely was pretty quick about it. Yeah. Um, much quicker than someone like Dan uh, and had a little more, more to say. So I, I am curious to see if he has uh, even more comments about, uh, you know, about all that, um, and, you know, we'll get to the meat of the football stuff, you know, within a couple, you know, in a couple weeks. So if I were on the conference call tomorrow,
2: the things that I would be interested in asking Brian Kelly about is, um, you know, Iowa apparently had a, a policy where they were only allowing their players to tweet one pre approved tweet per month. Um, I, I would love to know if Notre Dame has any kind of similar policy regarding social media usage um, and if they've decided to relook at that in, in light of the players, you know, coming and using their voices a little bit more, uh, especially on social media. Secondly, um, I'd wonder what they're doing to match their words with actions, because I think a lot of people can. And I think it was funny because I think, um, how oh, Dylan Hayes retweeted him, but it was, I think it was Nick Watkins who said basically, and we might've talked about this last week, stop using that damn MLK father Hesburgh, uh, picture from, you know, 1964 or whatever year it was. Um, you know, and actually, and actually show yourself doing something, Recently, that's relevant, you know, and so I would be curious to know about how many how if they spend a day in camp talking to the students about what they're um, what they want to do to get involved in bettering their community, uh, how they want to use their voice, whether it's on social media or through the ballot box. You know, are they right? Are they getting them registered? Are they helping them get registered to vote? I mean, I know they come from all kinds of different states and countries, but. You know, what's, uh, you know, what what's out there for the kids in terms of in terms of resources?
0: You want me to ask them all that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I don't I don't think I have to be as long winded as I was, but <laughs> no, I, just you know, uh, I, I think I, I think the I, main gist of it is, you know, look. You can play. You can pay lip service. A lot of coaches right now are paying lip service, and, and frankly, oh, for sure. I'm loving corporation. I'm too. loving the the uh, Gushers. Yeah. yeah. Gushers has a statement out, so you know, <laughs> so we're all covered there. But I, I'm frankly loving you know the the hypocrisy being called out by people who said, oh great, you have something to say now, but you know you you were also saying the n word to me in practice or whatever you know. So, um, I, you know I, I I'm hoping that that kind of stuff never happened at Notre Dame. But I also know from, from li- to reading Ian Williams um, comments to the guys at uh, South Bend Tribune that, you know, he was hearing racial epithets when he was on campus. So it's clearly, you're not immune to it, um, you know, in Notre Dame, unfortunately. And so I would just, I would love to hear more about, um, you know, what Brian Kelly knows about all that and what he's doing to, 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 Um, you know, again, put, put, take words and turn them into actions because it's just not enough to put out a statement on a, on a a fancy graphic and say it's important to you and then pretend like it doesn't exist for the other 11 and a half months of the year. Right.
0: Well, again, we're, we're, we're going to find out for, uh, for certain about all that. All right. Well, you guys ready to, um. Just ready to slide into uh to a little QA um am- amongst uh co- friends. <laughs> I say that I say that with a lot of uh a lot of juice back there with a lot of friends. I have you guys got some
1: I have put lead to paper and I have written uh you hear that?
0: That's still use of pencils, me.
1: Huh? Uh yeah, I exclusively use pencils and uh paper.
0: Yeah, that's for all the- of my That's the Tim Priester pen pop right there.
1: Uh, well, I don't have to pop a pencil. I have this uh, Dixon Ticonderoga number two pencil with the soft eraser, which is the finest pencil that money can buy. Is that the
0: one that Lee Corso sells?
1: Uh, if it's not, he should because it's the best pencil. <laughs>
0: well, all right. Well, Brendan, let's just start it with you. Uh, break out one of your questions. Let's 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 get it rolling. All right. Let's uh let's do this right then. Um, all right.
1: So I'm going to go a little bit bigger picture than rather than the 2020 season. So boys, and here's the format, right? I ask a question, and you two come up with responses, right? Yes. And then if and if I want to, I can I can rebuttal or or do whatever I want with it. But uh, so my question I'm posing to you two, in as few words as possible, can you irreparably change? Notre Dame football. So, so take in as few words, just make a sentence in as few words as possible that would irreparably change Notre Dame football. And then what, what, what is it about that that would change Notre Dame football?
0: Uh, I'll go first. Th- th- does this have to be for the better or just like a mass or just, a Oh no, game? just, just
1: irreparably change it. Could be for the
0: worst. Okay. Uh, Notre Dame joins ACC full-time Whew. yep doesn't that not, doesn't that change Notre Dame football I mean g- going from the independent uh, status the independent uh, aura that they've had for all this time uh, to regionalize them basically uh, that, that's a huge that'd be a huge move
1: yeah I, I think that that's uh that's pretty fair
2: okay here's mine Notre Dame drops out of NCA after push to compensate
0: players. (laughs) Are you calling Jenkins bluff?
2: I mean, that's what they said they were going to do, right? Right. That would would change. That would irreparably change Notre Dame
0: football.
1: That is a Kobayashi Maru of a
0: situation (laughs) Uh, there. Uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to say that they play that they don't play uh, FCS opponents anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I mean, it would be. It'd be interesting when they said, "Who's coming with me?" And everyone's like, uh yeah, yeah, we'll be right behind you." <laughs>
0: <laughs> we welcome Youngstown State, Indiana State, uh, Boston like Wallace,
1: IUPUI. It's like the scene in Half Baked where he's like, "Who's coming?" When Brian's like, "Who's coming with me?" Yeah, and like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Jenkins is doing his best, uh, fucking Jerry Maguire impersonation. Uh, I I don't think Renee Zellweger is even gonna follow him on that one.
1: <laughs> the way that I kind of looked at I, because I thought about it in the same terms as you did, Josh. Um, in as few words as possible, change the name football. Um, joins the Big Ten was the way I sort of looked at uh-huh. it. Where that's it—that's it. the, de- the death knell of Notre Dame. You're just a regional power, and it's over.
0: That I mean, that would be, Jude, That would be worse, right? Like, like if they absolutely had to, you know, gun to the head, they got it. You have to join. Isn't the ACC a better option for Notre Dame than the Big Ten? Like, clear, like not even close. Like, clear cut. Are we talking strictly football? Yeah, we're talking. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, if you want to, because trying to become a suck for
1: baseball
2: too. Well, I I hate to get all like, um, you know, that guy on this whole this whole conversation. But w- when Notre Dame was considering joining the Big Ten, I was actually in school, so there was letters written to the Observer every single day about this, and the one thing. <laughs> the one thing that I remember clearly was that I believe it was the faculty Senate that voted to join the big 10. And the reason that they were most interested in doing that was the research research, opportunities. research? Yeah. yeah, The consortium that existed, um, open, would open up tremendous new avenues for them. So there was a, there was a non football reason to join the big 10 that seemed legitimate. Um,
0: Boo. you know, Boo. I, I know I mean, Boo. I'm going about, I, you know and i guess the counter to counter that though I, I the way i looked at the acc was you know you look at the big 10 it is big research u uh but the acc does house more uh private schools like yep. notre dame you know notre, i mean and, uh, if you want to use boston college in the same breath you know at least there you know it's a catholic duke. private institution, yeah duke private school well, uh, and all these people and all these people are going to have their coaches get their taxes uh <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, drained yeah, on them, but uh, from that new from that new uh, rule. Did you see that, Jude?
2: I, I read that today, and I was I, I'm not very well versed on the the IRS, but basically it sounded like it would penalize Stanford, but not Alabama. It would penalize Notre Dame, but not Cle- uh Right, Clemson, but it right? would,
0: and it would, and that's the key words too. Like it would penalize the institution, not the coach.
2: Not the coach. Yeah, like,
0: like the institution was going to pay the tax, like. I I didn't understand what, (laughs) what that was all about.
2: Yeah. Uh, But look, I, I, we barely even, we, we only know the tip of the iceberg of Brian Kelly's finances. you know, to, to worry about his, his tax liability that he's either generating for himself (laughs) or for, for for Notre Dame. I, I I don't worry about that at all. You know, so they'll find a way to compensate
0: him. Jude bust out a question.
2: Wait, can we go to the opposite direction? Are we allowed to say what, like, ch- use as few words as possible to make this better for Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, you can make it better. Okay. Relocate to Florida.
1: Oh. <laughs> How'd you? do? Uh, bad, because then they wouldn't have the campus, and that's their, that's the the allure.
2: Relocate the oh. entire campus to Florida.
1: I, oh, I like sort of like when Nicolas Cage relocated that British Manson to uh, the one that bankrupted him when he had like the British castle he relocated brick by brick to America. Do the same thing, have somebody like scoop up and just move uh, the dome and all. Uh,
0: mine would be recruit more Pacific Islanders.
1: <laughs> That's good. Offer a linebacker a scholarship. <laughs>
0: Wow, they did. They did offer one. <laughs> they did offer one. We're, right. we're in the top ten for one. <laughs> His name's Prince. That works out. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got, Jude?
2: Um, I'm gonna steal from uh, Tim O'Malley, and I, I think I'm gonna apologize in advance because I think this was part of a a VIP article, but I don't think I'm going to steal enough to make the, make him be mad at me. Um, it's, this is a great question off the top of your head. Name the worst coach game by Brian Kelly, Charlie Weiss, Tyrone Willingham, Bob Davey, and Lou Holtz. Now name the best game coach by each, which one came to mind more quickly, the best or the worst. And which one of those best you chose was still a loss.
1: Florida state, 2014 was the best coaching job by maybe any of the coaches?
0: Uh, Well, I'm oh, pr- I was I'm gonna gonna first say going to
1: 2005 USC. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it, if we're to say all the coaches, I, I, you know, and you guys know, I hate doing this, but I am going to reach back into the Holtz era and I, I think I, I gotta say that Sugar Bowl against Florida. Right. I just that. I mean, I, I guess you could say the '93 Florida State game, but you're talking Cheerios. Uh, you talking Cheerios? Yeah, I'm, talk, I'm talking Cheerios, man. I'm talking Cheerios. He There's wants a the best one for each coach.
2: Just overall, he said, he said the best coached game and the worst, you know, coach, oh. which game, which one, which one came more more to mind quicker. And so the fact that that. Uh, Brent and I both mentioned losses immediately. Maybe answers that question.
0: Well, and I mean, one of the worst coach games of all time was the 2016 state? NC state game. Yeah. yeah. Hands down. I would but offer also, up
1: 2002 Boston college. Yeah. Is being one which of is, the worst,
0: which is funny because I was going to say the best coached game of all the coaches is because in spite of himself being who he is, <laughs> Ty Willingham, he, the way they, they beat Florida state in 2002. <laughs> so he I has thought, his best and his worst. I thought you were <laughs> going to say Purdue because
1: what sort of a great coaching job is it where you can win a game without scoring an offensive touchdown?
0: <laughs> well, when you got Vontaze Duff, uh, anything's possible. <laughs> I mean, Bob Davy
2: has just so many, it's, it's hard to know where to start.
1: You oh know? yeah. There's, um, the
2: Purdue? Don't, don't forget about 99, Michigan, 99, Purdue, um, you know, both uh, management issues.
0: Yeah. You know, it was in 99 is when he had that Ellis you know, game, Oklahoma and SC,
2: you know, and then you can I, say, uh, well, ne- Nebraska was the best because it almost won with a quarterback. who broke his wrist on literally the first play from scrimmage against the number one
1: team. Yeah. What's the mm. best coach game of the, I mean, just hold it back to Brian Kelly. What's the best coach game of the Brian Kelly era? And why is it Maybe, Michigan uh, State
0: 2013? 13. Exploring. employing is terrible. The, the hack shack I mean, that's great. That's great strategy. It is. The I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why anyone doubts that. That's great fucking strategy. How about like 2010 Utah?
1: Yeah. Um,
2: because of the whole like. Well, and, wanna, free fall with, the, with, with Tulsa. And then he like completely f- flips it around.
1: Yeah, it's
0: not bad. <laughs> Um, I mean, 2012 Oklahoma was was a yeah. good one because that was you were a big underdog on the road, playing a team that does not lose at home. And that was all
1: facets of the at game. Night. that was offense, defense, yeah. everything. Looking, that's that's I feel kind of cheap doing that because that's his biggest win. And I right. kind of feel like I want to be a little bit like kitschier with it. And um, I mean, the pit pit 2015 Narduzzi dared him to throw and he threw. <laughs>
0: you know, you know, Georgia Tech 2015, it, it's not the correct answer here, but at the time it felt like it, right? Right. Be, you, Kaiser they beat you this with Tech, It was like, you, you know, their triple option is going to, you know, rip you up. And they, they played that as well as, you know, any time they've ever played, you know, played against triple option. I mean, Drew Tranquil was, was a piece until his knee blew out.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: they gave the game I, ball to Robbie Reed, right? For running the, tri- for the triple option in practice.
0: Yeah. yeah i think so it was yeah. it was bob it was bob Elliott, uh who yep. had a mastermind that whole thing um yeah i that, that and, uh, a it's a question. difficult it's a difficult it's fun but it's difficult because it's hard it really is hard to compare you know between eras and different coaches and and what constitute best coached you know like, like you said you know 2012's Oklahoma is Kelly's best win, but as his best coach. I mean, I take it back to that 2013 Michigan State game. That was fucking brilliant.
1: It was brilliant. The <laughs> hack and check worked.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: absolutely fucking brilliant. So, What do you think Lou Holtz's uh, worst game was, worst coached game? Uh,
1: probably 1990-something from
0: 96? Stanford. It was, a, it was probably, Yeah, uh, it was probably cause it was the, a nighty midterm 1990. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah a tough one. that's, that's probably right. It was the, uh, well, oh, they were, what up what 16, nothing. And then Stanford rolled off 33. I think, right?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That was pretty rough, you know, and which reminds me one of Brian Kelly's worst coach games, uh, actually was up against uh <laughs> Harbaugh uh, and it wasn't last year, it was uh, Stanford 2010.
1: Oh, well, that was got, I was at that game and pumbled. it was Yeah, well, it was they just
0: painful. got fumbled. It was painful that's a you know that's a game that I honestly I, I can't for all the Brian Kelly haters out there, it is a game that is forgotten that I don't that doesn't get brought up a whole lot, I don't think I have no recollection of that game at all.
1: It was oh, a it was hard slow, hardball. churning, painful death. And yes. I was sitting with my father in the stands, and we were watching Harbaugh. You can find the clip of Harbaugh just spitting a fist-sized piece of chaw right onto Notre Dame's
0: field. Which pissed a, me off because they tried kicking me out of stadium uh, the year before. <laughs> Gets UConn because I had a chew in. Yeah, and hardball, <laughs> is that,
1: somebody, another usher probably said something to Harbaugh, and he was like, all right. Here it is on the field, and it was, it was grass then too. Oh, it was huge. It was yeah. worked into the gr- like that was probably worked into the turf when they finally tore up that old.
0: What it looked look like is what is what my old coaches used to do. It looked like you had like a like some big league chew uh, and some red man, and just had that fucker wrapped up. You oh know, you yeah, chew it up. That's wrap exactly it up around what I mean. it was huge. Like I we mean, could it was see ju- it. Be, we were behind the so,
1: band in the corner, and we could see
0: the the chunk of. Uh, it was so it was so solid for being so big. If if that was like a like like you know regular long cut dip, it just felt like it would have broke up. So maybe uh, like some I know I mean that's the things so, Uh big league chew and some red man, or some Levi Garrett, uh, <laughs> you know whatever your your flavor is. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would know anything about that.
1: <laughs> no, who would know anything about that?
0: <laughs> never, I, I got a funny story. So I was, early, yeah, it was like my sophomore year in a game I never thought I was going to get in. Uh, it gets a pretty big time opponent. End up having to go in. But the whole time on the sidelines, I had a giant chew of Copenhagen. Uh, you know, just standing there on the sidelines of the game. <laughs> and they call your name, and I go, run it out there. You're like, all right. Like, oh, fuck. You know, like, you can't really spit it out right there. You got everybody looking at you. So just went ahead and kept it in and had the mouth guard in. First hit, it was just like – it was splatter. It was everywhere, all inside the face mask, all over <laughs> my fucking face. <laughs> you know, the, the whole time. <laughs> so I, I – I, I always wondered how, uh, uh I mean, baseball players would get it. I just don't, you really can't do that as your football player.
1: No, you sure can. Not when you get taking shots <laughs> of the gut. Uh, all right. Did, so did
0: Josh,
1: you do what do you, answers? yeah. All think... right, I gotta... Did you, did you, ha- did you, did you wait
0: in too? So okay. I did. Yeah. All right. So recently I had a, uh, I had an article up and I was talking about, uh, mascot dominance. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting uh, because, you, you know, you have to look at it from a different way. So I'm just going to ask you guys, rank me your top three Notre Dame opponent mascots in terms of their sheer dominance. Is this for 2020? Yes, this is for the, their 2020 opponents.
1: I'll defer to you, Jude. You We're want talking me
2: to- about the actual mascot, like if it's if it's a guy wearing a a mascot head. It's well, me taking on the guy with the mascot head or how
0: do you want to play it I mean look f- with Navy there's an actual mascot that wears a, a costume right but then you have Bill the goat and I chose the bill the goat as the as the one just like Georgia Tech they got buzz who guided out the rambling wreck And the rambling wreck I took you know I took buzz um, you know it, it just it I guess it was just kind of whatever fit me <laughs> at the moment. I mean, do, uh, I get, do I get the same weaponry
2: that they get? Like, do, do I get the spear for the Blue Devil so that I'm on equal footing? Or does he have a spear and I have nothing?
1: What do you have in your hands right now, Jude? You just um, have the two meaty paws that the good Lord gave you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're all, this is
0: a sinful world. We're all sinners here, Jude. I mean, so what
2: you- I'm really worried about Tommy Trojan because he's got a sword,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He was literally ranked number 12 on my list. I, I see that, but <laughs> it's not going to stop the sword from running through my gut. I don't think he can. I, he can't operate that. Is it like a plastic sword? I, I don't he know. St- no, he, sta- he stabs it. In, he stabs it at midfield. He stabs That's true. He knows how to put it in the ground. So then you kick him. And then you step on his toes, which are exposed. Oh, they,
1: he does have exposed toes. Uh, you
0: know, and i have been to go check and look too. Like, I guess. like seriously, like in November, if he's up in Washington, does he wear like socks? Does he wear like socks with like toes printed? on He doesn't on them? live in Ann
1: Arbor. He doesn't wear his socks with sandals.
0: <laughs> I mean, he—he he feels like a socks and burger So, dude, you're putting
1: you're putting Tommy number one. I think Tommy's number one. Yeah, because he's got a
0: sword. Right. Okay. Imagine that. Jude, Jude and I are opposites on the spectrum there.
1: See, I'm not <laughs> concerned about a person as much as I'm concerned about a full-grown tiger.
2: See, like, that's. But I'm confused, though. Is it is it the dude in the tiger suit? Because I think I might be able to take him.
0: Yeah, I'd be able to take him. Really? Suit. He's wearing sweatpants. Have you seen those eyes on the tiger suit? They're it's, dead eyes. Mesmerized. Dead eyes.
2: Uh, that reminds me, do you remember the, the fight between the Ohio mascot and the Ohio state mascot, like the Ohio state mascots running off the field and the Ohio mascot tries to like, uh, cheap shot him or whatever. And it just does not go well for the Ohio mascot. And he actually tries a couple of times and it just, the guy keeps like pushing him off. That would be me by the way. I'd be like, I'd, I'd try to get, I'd try to like sneak up behind the tiger and like, I don't know, catch his tail or something like that. And then he'd probably just. Eat me,
1: You but. just spin his head around and he can't see you. And then you just work the body.
2: There you go. Well,
0: so, so is, I, is that you that? I
2: mean, I, I'm not screwing. I'm not screwed with goats either. Like, I don't like, are they, are they friendly? Are they, are they like Rams?
1: Uh, it's like, they have those crazy eyes, right? The, the, the sideways eyes and you don't know what they see. And you... they got those
0: horns taped up too. Yeah. I mean,
1: those are fucking weapons. I, I mean, I haven't, I have bill as yeah, them I'm not,
0: I'm not, right. not screwing with razorbacks are
1: pretty goats. horrible too. Um, I don't know if I'd like you can get cored by a razorback with their tusks too. I don't want to fuck I don't want to mess or a Bronco. I don't fuck with a Bronco either. Yeah, I would but,
2: screw the but, I would screw the yellow Western's jacket. I'm not particular about that. Yeah, the Western's particular Bronco.
0: Yeah, I just killed the yellow jacket today. Western's particular Bronco <laughs> 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 looks about <laughs> as blazed as you possibly can be. <laughs> yeah, well it's Kalamazoo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah.
2: Stanford's dumbass tree.
1: It's just yeah. a tree. I'm not concerned I'm not about that. Nor am I concerned about a bird. I'm not concerned about, about D. Reynolds. What about Pittsburgh's? A panther. And what about Rock? Like a real panther, I'd
2: be
0: very scared. Yeah, of, but like I'd be scared of a real panther. Rock the Panther. I don't know. No. I don't know. He he he's got a he's full on Darth Vader outfit in this picture I'm looking at. I I think when I'm looking at this
1: list, I'm just glad Notre Dame's not a Pac-12 team, and we don't have to debate Bevo or <laughs> or having to discuss whether or not you could take out um, what's the uh, the Colorado mascot uh, uh, the buffalo. buffalo. What's the buff- name? Is oh, Ralphie? Ralphie. Ralphie. Ralphie the yeah. Buffalo. I don't. I wouldn't want to mess with Ralphie's probably of all the mascots, the one that I want to mess with the least. Ralphie would ruin all of the other ones. Unless uh, Alabama the- has like a live pachyderm that we don't know about.
0: Or maybe Oklahoma's uh, schooner because that motherfucker keeps tipping over.
1: Yeah, it's, that thing's rolling on Firestone tires.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. It's the, the scooter is the Ford Explorer yeah. of the mascot world. <laughs> <It> sure is. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, if we're to in term, I think I think Jude's probably right because Tommy Trojan has a sword, and I don't think the Duke Blue Devil actually the mascot carries a real spear.
0: Oh yeah, he does. Does he actually carry a spear, or is, I guess a
1: a, tri, a trident or pitchfork? Trident, I yeah. guess it would be right. It's a very
0: the picture I'm looking at it, it shows. I just a see him always flexing tail.
1: muscles and having like, um, you know, he's sort of like he's kind of like a poor man's spar- Sparty. Sparky? Ugh. No, Sparty. Sparty, because like, he's got the fake muscles.
0: Oh, oh, man, yeah, but Sparty's way more roided out than, uh, oh yeah, yeah, this Blue Devil. Uh, I mean, what about Louisville's teeth? Bird teeth—that I mean, scares um, the shit out of me.
1: Yeah, birds should not have teeth. Uh, the Good Lord did not intend for that. Uh, at no point during his process of of crafting of crafting a cardinal did he intend for it to have human teeth, and that is terrifying. And I don't I don't like it.
2: I think my list is almost exactly the opposite of yours.
0: Duh. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not afraid of the demon deacon at all. He's on a fucking motorcycle and he's, he's dead an old priest. Right. <laughs> Think about it. Think about an old person behind the wheel of a car. Don't now want to see on it. a fucking motorcycle. And oh, I just, or- <laughs> I,
2: I, he comes at me very slowly. <laughs> I move out of the way at the last second and he crashes
0: his bike and game over. Right. But he's, but he's dead, right? He's the demon deacon. So he's already dead. So he, yeah, he does have like, you there. He's an undead
2: deacon. So if he wrecks and just gets up. Is he, but there's a difference between demons and zombies,
0: though, right? But he's not a zombie. <sighs> he's a demon.
1: Uh, zombies can be killed with a shot to the head, uh, but a demon will irreferably come demon. back. They just get sent back to where they came, but then they can come back, Jude.
0: Zombies is a uh, shot of the dead. Uh, great cinematic film uh, approved. You you could take a lot quite a few of them out with a with a cricket bat.
1: Yeah, just a cricket bat. Everybody's got one of those in their house, right, Jude? <laughs> I do not own a cricket
0: bat. Should I invest in one? Why
1: not?
2: I think I, so. I, so. Because I didn't I never belonged to a fraternity, I guess.
0: I <laughs> I don't have a cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Cricket's too complicated for people in the U.S. It's let's a just, sticky it's,
1: wicket. Let's just, let's just leave I it at that. I
0: have no idea how cricket works. They just say I'll throw down on some croquet. I think that's a mallet. a um, mallet. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll
1: go with uh, n- nobody else has live mascots um, except for, I guess, Navy. So USC one, Navy two, and I can beat up any chaunt in a uh, – uh, outfit with limited visibility and poor lateral movement. Yeah. See, I'm not worried about the tridents
2: for the Duke blue devil. Cause his face looks so like it would be impossible to see in that uniform. Good I see. bet he has no peripheral vision. So that would be my attack strategy. You
1: just you spin the head around. It's almost like the, the hockey, you pulled the sweater over, sweep there. The, leg, yeah. over sweep the leg. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Put <laughs> him in a bit of body bag. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. All right. Well, my list is up on the site, and I look. I had, I have Clemson's number one. Those eyes, so that mascot are mesmerizing. Demon Deacon two. I had uh, Arkansas's uh, big red is number three, and Bill the Goat number four. Uh, a, a sleeper that we did not mention is uh, Bucky Badger, and I have a picture of him here of him sitting down and playing patty cake uh, with someone. That's fucking terrifying. All right, <laughs> that, he is. He is trying to trick you into a false sense of security, uh, and then your fucking head's about to dis- disappear. So take it for what it is. All, All right. right, we're gonna take a quick we're gonna take a quick break and, we, and uh, come back with some more. So stay with us.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg.
2: This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
0: That is a harsh lesson in business.
2: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
2: many more doors. The show is
0: called The The Deal. Deal.
2: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: All right, we are back. Brendan, hit us up. All right,
1: I'm going to, uh...
0: All right,
1: Let's uh let's just pull the band-aid off. Um so guys, who's your favorite five star Notre Dame player that wasn't a five star according to any of the major recruiting services? This one's for you, Jude. <laughs> uh, so your was,
2: favorite was, player Was Quentin Nelson a five star in any of the services?
0: Yeah. He was a five star on one service, yes. Okay. Um,
2: but I like the way you're thinking. Oh, McGlinchy definitely wasn't a five star on any service. No, servers, he was right? not. He was not. All right. So there's, I love McGlinchy. Knows where to get a good stake in Philadelphia. Uh, played left and right tackle, shows his versatility. Uh, I'm going to take McGlinchy, and I'm definitely not going to take Julian Love. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll go ahead and take Notre Dame's all time, uh, leader and, uh, passes defended, uh, a, a two time all American, a, a guy that was a, uh, robbed of the Thorpe award, uh, by his current NFL teammate, uh, who may or may not have a job, uh, who, who came in and started right away, started not right away, but as a freshman, uh, like in game three or four, uh, and gave us three, you know, two and a half, basically solid years, left a year early on the table, but, uh, Uh, yeah, I'll take Julian Love. Damn right, Chicago guy. uh, My uh, my recollection is that he exceeded all expectations.
2: My recollection is that Julian Love played because Sean Crawford got hurt. Is that right? Is am I remembering that right?
0: No, I think Uh, you're right. You could say that about four of the. I mean, that the 2016 defensive back class was. I'm gonna say loaded, but in a sense of numbers. Um. And, you know, once Crawford fell, uh, it was just a domino effect of, you know, trying to piece guys into where they could use them at. So yes, you were, you're, you're pretty much correct there. So do you
2: ever think about what Julian love would have been if Sean Crawford had remained healthy? Do you think Julian love would have just, he would have just found a way in cause he was just too talented or have you thought about that at all?
0: No, I haven't. But I mean, I guess asking that, I, I you know, I don't know, uh, I think the, uh, you know, throwing him out to the wolves as a freshman, uh, for some people, it's it's terrible. Uh, and then they never really recover. Uh, and then for others, they, they thrive. You know, they learn, learn from uh, that experience. He was obviously one of those guys, I think, that learned from that experience. So, um, you know, maybe he does it. Maybe if uh, Sean Crawford doesn't go down that season, maybe Julian Love uh, plays football for Notre Dame last year. So, Brendan,
2: for our listeners who didn't get to hear this, what, what would you say? Argument? Yeah, I would say argument. That's talking oh, yeah. about right. I
1: would say it was a uh, maybe uh, a Donnybrook. Dis- dis-
2: disagreement. It, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, but if I didn't, I, I definitely mentioned it to Greg. I was yelling so loud, my wife came from upstairs, up, floor up, and all the way across the, our twenty seven hundred fifty square foot house to ask me if I was okay. <laughs> So, and cle- and clearly, the simple,
0: the clearly, I the was, simpleness I was of it all up. was this: I called Julian Love a five-star talent because he was. Uh, and the my, the thought I threw at threat was, if Julian Love came in as a five-star, it, as he left Notre Dame, would you have thought that he had underperformed a five-star status? And you and my thinking is absolutely not because of all the things that he did during his time at Notre Dame. He's absolutely was a five star talent. Th- you would not have said, "Oh, that guy was that." You know, the guy was overrated. Uh, I coming think, in, I think that's your strongest argument. So
2: my problem is that that phrases like five star actually have defined meanings.
0: I don't give a fuck about the NFL I, draft. I I,
2: okay. I understand you. I understand you don't zero fucks. I listen. Let me just make my argument here. This I understand that you here. don't care, but. When a five star designation is given to somebody by a recruiting service, it's it comes with certain things. And one of those things may be, you know, ability to impact as a freshman. One of those things would be, you know, career record setter or whatever. Um, but the the last thing is always and the thing that's consistent about five star designations is that they refer to the place they think you're gonna go in the NFL draft. And I,
0: I just I mean,
2: Julian Love you're-
0: and and here's I my argument could- for that, though, Jude. Here's, my, here's the argument for that. A guy go, a guy plays college football, he comes, in, he comes in as a five-star, is an all-conference, all-American, whatever, at his position. For some reason, he gets drafted in the fourth or fifth round, maybe because he's two inches too short than what they like. Would you consider that guy, just because, you know what I'm saying? Would you consider that guy a bust? No, he's still a fucking – he was a five-star no, while he was there. But you're, cha- you're changing
2: the words, right? Changed you're changed are You're equating not a five-star to equals bust. I never said Julian Love was a bust. If you no, want to okay. argue that Julian Love was a no, four-star, I'd be, I'd be right there helping you with, write the article. <laughs> but he's not a five-star. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Absolutely fucking – It like, doesn't meet the statutory definition of five-star. Words have meanings. Well, th- th-
0: it's that <laughs> – no, he did not meet the statutory definition of a five-star as a senior in high school. But did he play a, like a five-star talent? Did he outplay his ranking and become a five-star type talent? Yes. He did not. That's the point. He did not.
1: He was one yeah, of the three best. What, who Can you name three better cornerbacks in the 2018 college football season?
0: Three, three better?
2: Yeah, than Julian
0: Love. Patrick Baker was pretty good.
2: So uh, here, then, here's the problem, right? When we talk about five star talent, we're, we're we're actually we're also bastardizing this, right? Because five star is a projection. It's a projection put on a high school student. That's that's, that's into, all the, listen, into, that only
0: because of what 24 seven has done. So, so what you're trying to do is
2: you're trying to take the ones you're trying that. to take a college career and look at it in retrospect and say, was that a five star career? Yes, and that's, that's, exactly that's, that's hard to do because like, if you said, look, no, cause that's why, if, that's, if why, guy I you, if guy that's why I agree with that's why I agree with you.
0: That's why I agree an All-American, with you, you. If he's in the fi- he's a finalist for the top of his position. If he is <laughs> leading he? in whatever category that is the, fu- that is the very fucking definition of a five-star type player. No,
1: it, it is. Was He cons- He was a consensus all American. I might add.
0: Okay. That, that is a five-star talent. Anything else is just something 24 seven made up to make a reasoning for how they rank someone and they haven't even been around, you know, all so, that long. Josh, here's, that, here's what I suggest you do. If you want to make, if you want to make ranks. an
2: argument that, stop
0: mean, never use that. If you want to make an argument that Julian love
2: was, you know, Julian love was a, th- a lot of things that aren't defined. Julian love was elite. Julian love was unique. Julian love was a once in a, whatever, you know, uh, 10 year talent or whatever. I think you should make all those arguments because those are things that ha- they're nebulously defined. The problem is you keep trying to y- appropriate the term five-star, which has a defined meaning and then
0: say, it doesn't, right no. it doesn't matter.
2: It doesn't matter where you got seven
0: drafted. appropriated it. Look, listen to what I'm saying. The only reason that you tie a five-star in with the first fucking round of the draft is because that's what 24-7 had made up with their bullshit. Rivals, everybody else Scout, they all all before that, that was not part of their definition of what a five-star fucking player was. 24-7 decided that's what they were going to use, and they ended up confusing the shit out of everybody. And my whole point about Julian Love is, that whole article was just based off of who were three-star guys that came in in another name and and left as five-star talents, guys that gave five-star performances, guys that came in, if they were a five-star coming in, you wouldn't have batted an eyelash. You would have said, yeah, you lived up to his potential. That was it. Had nothing, has nothing to do with the fucking NFL draft or 24/7's bastardized, we'll <laughs> use the word that you got there, uh, version of, of how they rank people. None of that, none of that means dick to me. Did the guy come in <laughs> and, and make an instant impact? Yes. Did the guy come in and become an All-American? Yes. Did the guy come in uh, and be one of the best players in the country? Period. Yes. At his, I mean, that was right. a five. But you can say,
2: say that about a lot of guys in that class.
0: No, you can't. You cannot then. say that a lot of guys were finalists for the Thorpe Award. A lot of guys were no, because uh, there's other awards. A lot of guys, right? led there's, their other, there's other positions besides DB, right? Then pick one. Which which guys did that? And then I and then I'll I'll make the argument. And were I, I they first? I, I, no, I, the, the I don't have a
2: I don't have a ready made list of three stars that became All Conference. I'm sorry. I'm I didn't I didn't no, prepare for this.
0: All it was All American. There's a big all, difference. Can, yeah okay. consensus. All, all American. All that's American. fine. You know, a guy like Tyler Eifert fits that bill. Same thing. They're the, they're the same fucking category.
2: Tyler Eifert was drafted in the first round of the NFL. Which talks. I
0: don't give a fuck about, dude. I don't. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't I know you don't that. care, but this is like, this is, you know this I'm is, done. this is why
2: it's so important. Words have, words have meanings. Phrases have meaning. They and if do you're have just going to, if they're you're going to just make up your own definitions, one, then we can't, con- we can't have a, we can't have common ground. You're if you said like.
0: Definition and say this is it. This is it. This is the only one I want to go off of. I'm going to fucking forget about everything else that's happening. Hold on a second. The way that we define things, the way we we look at things. But because they said that they're doing it this way, this is the way that we're – How many
2: does Rivals have? How many five stars
0: does Rivals have? I don't even fucking know. And I don't care. Would you say it's 32 or fewer? None of that is the point, Jude. None of that is the point. You're making this something that it's not. Okay which is actually the very definition of bastardizing, by the way, you're making, no, that, did this guy come in and give a Look, five if we star, can't, if we can't agree on defined terms, then we're never going
2: to get anywhere in this
0: argument, right? Did, did this guy come in and give a five star performance for a school and a guy that comes in, sets school records, becomes an all American is a finalist for the, for a, for the top award for his position. Yes. That guy gave a five star performance. What if I just dude, to refused, answer your question? What if I, I answer refused, your questions. You just had a handful more of those. Rivals, guys. Hold on a Rivals
1: has 17 five stars this Perfect. year. So 2021 so has What if what if
2: uh what if I just refused to accept the the definition of vanilla ice cream and I just said, fuck it, that's chocolate. Wouldn't you be well, frustrated? Because we couldn't talk about vanilla ice cream because
0: you're you're you twist it to you twist it to your own purpose there. I like I said before. Listen, 24-7 is the only one that decided that that's, what, that's the way they're going to define what a five-star is. Okay, they're the so ones what's, that – what's, what's Rivals' criteria? I don't know. Criteria they had 34 in 2020.
1: There
0: okay, so what's they don't Rivals' a, criteria
1: for five-stars?
0: Rivals not have a set. Not, hey, have
1: Patterson a set. was a five-star at number three <laughs> uh, <laughs> overall. How do, how do you make, make five-star Rivals? Um, Somebody give me a definition. I don't know. You, you grease some palms and you uh, show up to the right camps. Because okay. that's that's all it is. Because rivals has like, never who... written rivals has never written a story about how you become
2: a five star in rivals. No, they I, actually have no defined definition. I would find that hard to believe.
1: I'm looking at rivals right now, and in 2016, Julian Love's class they had 31. In 2020, they had 34. Uh, Dalen Hayes was a five star. He was a 30. He was ranked 31 in 2016. Uh, by the way, he was the last of the five stars. Uh, Chauncey Gardner. Uh, cornerback for Florida was number 32. Um, and then who can forget about Nate Craig Myers, wide receiver for Auburn. He was uh, right there too. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, man, it's a sliding scale for how they give kids five stars. And a lot of that has to do with whether or not you show up to the the camp. If you show up to a rivals camp, you're going to get a rivals recruiting bump. If you show up to the under armor camp, you know, the under our two, four, seven camp, you're going to get a, you're going to two, four, seven recruiting bump. So depending on what camp you go to and who they send to what, you know, camps and, and the tape that you send out, um, it's all a sliding scale. I, I kind of think that I tend towards Josh's in a way um, with let's match productivity with whether or not a kid lives up to a five star. And, and I think about it just going back to Brian Kelly. Do you remember what Brian Kelly said when he convinced Michael Floyd to stay? What did he call Michael Floyd? Six star recruit, right? You remember that? Sure. Right.
2: <laughs> and what, I, what do you want from me? Michael Floyd won the first round of the NFL draft. right? He sure did. Um, and
1: that and that's where I kind of side with Jude too a little bit. His uh, if we're playing um, Janice a little bit, you know the t- the two two faced God, uh, both sides. Um, Julian Love didn't end up. Panning out for NFL, but man, Julian Love was one of the best cornerbacks. Well, I mean, out of- he
0: didn't pan out as a draftee. He ended up being a fucking starter no, last year, and they're looking yeah. at him this year, and I, just doing his own thing again. The, the biggest point to be made there is I everything before the fucking NFL draft. I'm looking at Julian Love as did he come in and play like a five star player? Absolutely, and that was the only point being made. Did he come in and play like a five-star player? Absolutely, hands down. So you believe he was one of the
2: nation's top thirty to thirty-five players that year?
0: I believe he was what the nation's. Yes, <laughs> I believe he should have won the Thorpe Award. I believe that if Julian Love played in the fucking the rest of the Clemson game, that her name has a better chance of winning that game. I yes, he was one of the best players in college football in his junior year. He came in and gave a five star performance. God only knows what he would have put, what he would have pulled out of his ass uh, his senior year. Which would have been ama- amazing if he would have stayed another year.
1: By the way, other than uh, Nick Bosa, that five star class in 2016 and Julian Love's class, woof.
0: <laughs> but- so, all right, whose turn is it for the next one?
1: I think it's Jude.
2: Uh <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, let me let me keep thinking about this. Josh, you All have right. one ready, back? I, yeah, I,
0: yeah, I got I got a I got a fairly I got a fairly easy one. Uh, what's more likely? Notre Dame goes ten and two and makes a New Year's six game, or twelve and zero and misses the playoffs what's more likely
1: well this is Notre Dame's rotation year right where they have the they have all of the bowls open to them
2: wait did do do any of us actually believe that a 12 and 0 Notre Dame wouldn't make the playoff uh
0: I think there are again there are there is always moving parts right so I mean we don't know what could happen what you could have a you know, two, undefe- two other undefeated teams and then a 12 and one conference champion with a one law that they had avenged that loss in their conference championship game. And it was a close loss earlier in the season. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think there's so your, there's, what you're there's putting scenarios out there, that, there. that have come close to happening that just quite haven't yet.
1: So what you're putting out there is that Notre Dame goes 12 and 0 beats Clemson. So the ACC is eliminated, but you're saying that perhaps Ohio state goes 13 and 0. The conference championship, Oklahoma, you know, runs through their shitty conference and they get an invite anyway, even though they've proven time and time again of being incapable of competing with anyone at a higher tier, whatever. So they go thirteen to zero. The SEC puts their whatever; they could have a two-loss team and it gets. In. I, would,
0: I would say no. I would say like I would say like this. And then Oregon the SEC gets two. The SEC gets two in, like oh, a, like a Alabama yeah. and Florida with what with the kind of a deal. Uh, and Oklahoma, uh, being the third and an o- Ohio state being the fourth kind of, kind of one of those things. Like, like it uh, something that is, that so you know, the people keep saying can't happen, but the, it person hasn't lo- the person
2: that lost the SEC championship would get in over a 12 and 0 Notre Dame. Is that what you're saying?
1: Oh, what if, what if Alabama I mean, it, loses yeah, to Georgia but, in the regular season and then in the SEC title game, they beat Georgia?
0: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, Jude.
2: I mean, I'm not selling it. I'm just saying that's that's even easier, Brennan, because then two teams have one loss. You're not going to put you're not going to leave out a perfect team over two teams with one loss.
0: Or I guess the question is, you could only probably have only one. Look, I think the argument
2: I think the argument here is simple, right? Which is that let's say it's Alabama and Georgia or Alabama and Florida. I don't care. And Florida or Georgia loses to Alabama, right? That was your chance. You want to be in the playoffs. You got to beat Alabama. Sorry, that's just the way it works.
1: But what if Georgia beats Alabama in the regular season, and then Alabama redeems themselves in the SEC then title? you have
2: two teams with one loss, and you're not gonna you're not gonna put both those teams in with one loss over a perfect Notre Dame.
1: But what would Kurt?
0: You Kurt- take the Street team
2: said- that wins the N- SEC championship, the one loss team I, with the SEC
0: championship. I don't think you'll find anybody listening to this podcast to disagree with you on that, Jude. No, I don't think so. But either. I don't I disagree th- with you. I don't. I don't disagree with you either. But I don't. I don't think you would be far to look. To find people making that argument for those teams over Notre Dame, <laughs> I think that, you know that it saying. was the
1: 2018 schedule, perhaps. But if Notre Dame goes undefeated next year, and they beat Clemson,
0: yeah, that's the big one right there.
1: The problem but, is, mean, what,
2: what if Clemson is secretly trash?
1: Sort of like 2014 Florida State. They're kind of yes. like a two, 10 and three,
0: and they have or, nothing. They have nothing on their record. I it, right?
1: I mean, Clemson doesn't have any. They don't have three loss. They don't have two losses on their schedule. Even if you give them the ND loss, their schedule this year is just hot trash.
2: Yeah, I'm going to look at that. Yeah, real but quick. what if Lawrence? So, what if Lawrence sits out?
1: Yeah, or
0: what if? There? What if he gets hurt or sits out? Or all right. So this is this is Clemson's schedule this year. Bad. At Georgia Tech, Louisville, Akron, Virginia, at Boston College. Well, cool. Akron, at you, State. you looking past the zips? <laughs> hey, I'm just let me let me just list these off. Sorry, so I just said at Florida State, NC State, Syracuse, bye week, at Notre Dame, the Citadel, at Wake Forest, South Carolina, Oof. and then it, their ACC championship game. the The
1: only trip up point that I can see potentially is a Friday game. Friday, Cause this is the Clemsoning would be a Friday game at Alumni Stadium against in a lazy Friday. In October against Boston College. I thought like, they played Boston College at BC last two years ago. Last year,
2: did uh, they play at BC recently?
0: I don't know. Yeah, two years ago they did. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're and at, everybody was like, and everybody said Boston College is going to be the one that Boston them up, And Boston College almost tripped didn't. him up, but they no. almost did.
1: It was like well, Oh, they
0: played them tough. Close. Yeah, it was tough. like it was quarterback like got killed. here. The their quarterback like got no- killed.
1: Yeah. Brown. Yeah. Brown got hurt. Uh,
0: I guess the. The biggest thing about the schedule isn't exactly where they're going to get tripped up at is, is if if they go 11 and one or let's just say 12 and one, they win the ACC championship game. That one loss is Notre Dame. Still, what the hell did they do in those 12 wins? Yeah. Well, and, was, and I, by I the think way, that's, 13, that's where the argument gets. A, half.
2: That's where the argument gets a lot of interesting. Right. Which is like you so beat like, 12 like teams. A, but who did you but who did you beat? Right.
0: Right. So like if Notre Dame beats Clemson, how far down the rankings does Clemson fall? You know what I mean? Four spots. Because then they lo- then you're looking at the, at, at their uh, at their resume and you're thinking, I mean, do we keep Clemson ranked in the top five with this shitty fucking resume? Yeah, I mean, are they I, beating you some- know, they follow up, they, then, then wow. they follow it up with Citadel, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. That's not exactly lighting it up after a loss. We no. know that Notre fans is like after you lose, it's important to get to a a game of import- of a bigger game. To avail yourself of that loss,
2: and and here's where I'm going to say that previous years should never be taken into consideration, but they totally are. Okay, right. and I think that Clemson gets I get it gets a level <laughs> of uh, a doubt that that uh, the nerd Dame would you know would not get. So I think that Clemson would drop a couple spots, obviously because they lost, and maybe they wouldn't come back up after beating Citadel and South Carolina and all <laughs> the, the other team you named. I can't remember Wake Forest. But I I just don't think I I don't think they're marooned at 15 like we were.
1: Okay, well, what about so you don't think that there's a Tom Bragg out there who's willing to put Notre Dame down at number 17 (laughs) in its final poll?
2: (laughs) Well, I'm wondering, Bragg. That's that's the thing that's going to be interesting to me. If you beat if you go 12 and 0, but you beat a two loss Clemson and you beat a three loss Wisconsin or whatever, and those are your kind of marquee games. And maybe USC is like three or four loss or whatever. And no team is really kind of like you really didn't have a team that really differentiated itself. That's where you're going to see some people in the AP saying, I'm going to punish Notre Dame because Notre Dame didn't play anybody this year. And we all know what happens when Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. They play Alabama and they're going to get curb stomped. And I've seen this before. So I'm going to rank them 12th. Yep. You know, and, and so you'll get some you'll get some person who's making a statement through his AP ballot. And and then obviously you'll have you'll have the SEC fans, especially if you have a situation like Brennan outlined, which is like Alabama loses a squeaker to Georgia during the regular season. I don't know if they play each other this year, but let's just say they do. They do. Um, And then and then it's a rematch in the in the final and Georgia beats, uh you know, Alabama. So now they've got both. Uh, well, whatever the situation works out of, the team, the team that lost in the regular season redeems itself in the SEC championship, right? And so you've got, and it, maybe they're two great games, two classics, you know. So and, and and people are saying, wow, this Georgia team, I, you know, look, they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game, but I think they could house Notre Dame, and because who has Notre Dame really beat this year? Well, they beat Clemson, but. It was only by four points and it was at home and Clemson lost twice or three times and they lost a real bad game to South Carolina or, you know what I mean? Like just a, you know, a weird game to Pitt, or, you know, like all of a sudden people start doing that. Right. Because that's what we heard in 2018. You guys almost lost to Vanderbilt. It didn't matter that you beat Vanderbilt. You almost lost to Vanderbilt. That was the narrative. You almost lost to Ball State and Ball State's trash. Never Uh, mind. The quarterback change. The the biggest narrative was that you beat beat Michigan, but then. They said he, you didn't. Well, I'm, yeah, was, I'm making yeah. the argument that I think that you would have to start to defend, right? Which is like, that's the one that worries me. I think if you beat a ACC conference champion Clemson, it doesn't matter if you beat him by one point or ten points, although obviously ten would be more preferable. Think um, <laughs> I think at 12-0 and 0, beating an ACC champion Clemson, you're in. And there's yeah, nobody I, that takes that away you
1: from you. You can him. rule out. I think I think it's fair to say at this point that we can just communally rule out. The Pac-12 is getting an invite.
0: <laughs> I don't even think that this is, this isn't even a hot take, right? I don't know, man. They're, they're high as fuck on Oregon per always. But, but I like uh, USC. But, am I weird for liking USC? Is this, is no, how, many, I, how many, how many, do you know how many times the, 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 the that,
1: Pac-12 you know, has been invited to the college football playoff? Because it's Oregon. twice. It's twice. Washington got blanked, right? And then Oregon, that's it. Yeah.
0: So on the flip side of that argument, I, a 10 and two Notre Dame team. What are their chances of, of getting in to a, uh, into a new year six game?
2: 100%. Well, it depends on the year of rotation, right? Are we yeah, talking 2020? Right. I'm yeah, talking about 2020. 2020. Yeah. Okay. This, this is year. all about, 100%. yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
1: Cause uh, the peach is there and the cotton's there. I think everything's there.
2: I mean, right I, I guess, I guess with the caveat saying that you didn't lose by 30 to Pittsburgh, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So about, four and eight I mean, Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Unless you're unless you're a big believer in the pit super weapon, weapon then it know. can always be forgiven. Okay, you didn't lose by thirty to Arkansas, right? Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right, Jude, you
2: got yeah. You so that. I got one for you. Sure. You You can go back in time and be in the stands for any game you didn't see in person. Uh, Notre Dame game. And you can pick. You don't. It doesn't have to be Notre Dame Stadium. What game are you picking, and why?
1: Ooh. All right, Josh, what do you got?
0: Oh man. I mean, I, I guess there's the low hanging fruit. Yeah, there is. There is the low hanging fruit of the whole Sarah, because um, I'm, I'm not going to go. I mean, I guess if you go back in time, obviously you can go back before you were born and that's cool and all, but, uh, (laughs) but I get, I guess I'm just not interested. Um, but there, there's one that that has always stuck out and that this is going to seem silly, completely silly. And Judy, especially for you. Uh, but I was not at the 1999 USC game. And that's a, to me, Uh that's a huge game for me personally. Uh, you know, with, USC being, you know, our, our rival and, and the way that game unraveled, uh, I wrecked my car listening to that game uh, on the radio. Um, but I would have loved, <laughs> excuse me, to have been in that stadium uh, for that game. I, I know it's the Bob Davey era. None of it's sexy. Everyone's throwing their, their phones right now. In disgust to in my answer. Uh, but uh, that's the one. Um, you know, I, I wasn't at Notre Dame for the 93. I didn't go see the uh, I, I didn't see any. Games in the whole era at Notre Dame Stadium, as a matter of fact. So uh, I, there's a long, you know, 88 Miami was going to stick out. Just I mean, there's all that low hanging fruit. Uh, but for me, for the rivalry that it is with USC, uh, that that 99 game, just the, that comeback, uh, uh, always sticks out in my head as, as one of the games I wish I was at. That's a really F2. interesting answer. I didn't I didn't expect to hear. Brendan, do you have one?
1: I mean probably if you have to pick one um the 73 sugar bowl seems like a pretty good one to be (laughs) right if you want to talk about low-hanging fruit um the 73 sugar bowl sounds like a pretty good game to go to because that's one of those games where um you're you're holding your head in your hand um or your 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 head in your hands for almost all of the fourth quarter and then just like totally redeem yourself at the very end of the game like it was a game that should have been lost and then um you know uh, uh, a pass to robin weber uh from tom clements ends up uh getting a first down and then you get into field goal range and win the game right so you run out the you run out the clock so that's uh that's pretty good clock, right
2: yeah. yeah i like that pick so, i like that pick. so Mine is uh, the 1989 Fiesta Bowl, because for similar reasons, I think it maybe is Brendan's alluding to, but maybe didn't uh, um, say out loud, which is I want to watch Notre Dame win a national championship. Yeah, you want a title. But I also don't want to sweat. I think I want to see something that's kind of uh, not a sure thing, because I don't think coming into that game that, that I mean, I think the players thought it was a sure thing, but. I, I don't think a lot of the. I think a lot of people were were interested to see how Major Harris and West Virginia would kind of line up against uh, Notre Dame because it was a clash of two different, uh, pretty two very different styles. Yeah. Um, but
0: I like how you just, guys both both picked national title games, and I picked the game from a season it, that we that we lost.
2: Yeah. Um, and that's why I thought it was a really interesting answer because, um, cause yeah, my mind immediately went to 93 and I was like, but the payoff isn't there. I want the payoff. I want to be right. able to say, uh, you know, cause I think about it and I think about people that I'm jealous of people that were at that game. Um, uh, you know, at that Fiesta bowl game, because they got to see something that, you know, it's like it's like the 80 year old guy that wonders if he was ever going to see the Cubs win the World Series. And then in 2016, right. it comes true. Right. He wasn't physically at the game, but at least he got the experience his team winning. You know, um, I, mean, I, I think we've, we've I know this
0: was not the last. I, I want to bring up another game real quick, though. Yeah, sure. I know it wasn't the last step, but like that 2012 USC game because of because of everything we've always mentioned before, the whole narrative of that season, the Rick Riley everything led up to that moment and you know, it still gives me goosebumps now watching, you know, that, that game or the highlights of that game, you know, the, the, and just remembering the feeling that I had. And I know many other fans out there had of, you know, getting that 12 and zero, knowing you're going to the national championship game. Uh, And it was something that no one thought before the season was going to happen. Uh, Yes. it, It wasn't a national championship, but that night, that night, Notre Dame was number one, and twelve and zero, and everything else was shit. It didn't matter. It was one of the most amazing feelings, and so being in that stadium, in that rain-soaked stadium with all forty-two of USC's fans in attendance, uh, <laughs> would have been would have been a fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting. It's another good pick.
1: I found that game. To, I don't know. I found that game to be very infuriating, and it's one of those games well, where I expected to win. <laughs> I expected to win so big because USC was trash, and um, yeah, you've had to do that the last couple of times. That
2: 2018 game ha- took on the same feeling, and I think actually the 2019 True game too, which is like you just you just say there's no reason they shouldn't win this game by 20, and then it's a it's a it's a heart attack field goal uh, situation. Yeah, you know?
0: no, welcome to rivalry games.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I mean, Dro-
1: toss I mean out those up. damn records. Toss
0: out those damn records. Toss them out on the streets, why don't you? So I'll, just I'll, a quick I like that for
2: question. a game in which I had, would have no rooting interest, but I would have loved to be at. Um, there's a couple. The 1980 Holiday Bowl uh, immediately comes <laughs> to mind. But also, I think it's 2016, right. Texas Tech, Oklahoma. I watched oh, that game on television. Yes. That yeah. game was like I, I if I do if I ever shoot heroin, I would imagine it feels like that the first time uh, it was just I was I couldn't get enough of it. It was like it was watching two guys that I had no idea if they'd be any good in the NFL. They but sure they were. were. Have, they were having a hell of a yeah. time. Uh, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and, and Baker Mayfield. And I've, I've heard that of games that uh, that games on uh, YouTube and obviously one that I've watched many times over is that 2007 fiesta bowl, uh, Boise state and Oklahoma. Uh, I love that one as well.
1: Do you so, know how many yards yeah. Patrick? Mahomes that was, that was threw back when we still that, liked okay. Boise
2: state, like 500 or something, 600, maybe
1: it 734, Jude. <laughs> oh my God. 734. I yeah. don't know if a Notre Dame quarterback in the 1980s threw for 734 yards in a <laughs> season.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I would like to have been um, at the kick six Auburn, Alabama game as an Auburn yeah. fan. The um, insanity OES of that game. OES
1: trouble with the snap. Uh, I have a buddy who was at the OES trouble with the snap game with his brother and it, it ruined his psyche. He's not able to like, you look at his eyes and it's almost like, I imagine it's the same kind of eyes that like a Vietnam vet gets <laughs> on like when fireworks are going off, just so it's like thousand yard stairs. of just like, Oh God, it's happening again. <laughs>
0: Brett, did you got another one?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I got, I got a million. Um, so <laughs> here's one, here's one that that I I think is good to uh to humble. Um, what's the wrongest you've ever been about Notre Dame?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> well there's too <Jesus>. so many. <laughs> Count the ways. Um,
2: you know that I'm the official president of the unofficial Corey Holmes fan club, right? <laughs>
1: I have gotten your uh, your <laughs> charter for it. Uh, it's good. <laughs> but the letterhead could do some work.
0: I mean, I I uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's recency bias, but I mean, I've never been so wrong. I think about a game before than the 2019 Michigan game. Oh, uh, like that. You was, were all in. There was nothing, and nothing about that. Any of it made sense. It, it was, and it was 100 percent on the polar end of what I expected. Um, I, I, w- I was, I was blown away. I that uh, how wrong I was, uh, about that. But, uh, we, which I guess is an easy one, but I mean, I guess to also too, uh, 2000, the 2007 season, like going into the season, I didn't expect Notre Dame to win a national championship, even though I'm hell, I might've predicted one who knows. Uh, but, I never knew they were. I had no idea that they were going to be that dysfunctional and that awful. I mean, the Navy streak would end the Navy streak would end the wise. I mean, the whole, the whole spread, uh, (laughs) spread option type shit before I, none of it made sense. And, you know, in hindsight, you could see those little things happening, right? No quarterbacks. uh, But at the time going in, me walking into Notre Dame stadium to watch them play Georgia tech and hearing Michigan just got beat by Appalachian state. Uh, I, I, you know, I was as confident as I had ever been going into a season thinking that this is going to be a, a really good season, you know, maybe 10, 11 wins, you know, sure. We'll take it. I'll be all right. Uh, and then just the brutal reality of what actually went on. And it is the only season. and, and this includes 2016 2007 is the only season where I wanted no more. Like I wanted the season to be over with all of college football. I didn't want to be reminded uh, that there was college football around me. It was that fucking bad. Um, it was the first year I, I, I uh, started writing, I started blogging in December of Oh uh, six. so Oh seven was the first season that, uh, I was covering and it, this, maybe that's why I am the way I am today. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that, that season shaped me, uh, thrown to the wolves. Uh, but it was fucking horrific. I, the thing I mean,
2: I, I, the thing I remember about two thousand seven was we were just bad. I mean, you you just oh, you tuned you tuned in not expecting 2016 to win. Two thousand sixteen
0: was a luck thing. Two thousand sixteen, a whole lot of luck involved.
2: They were finding new ways to frustrate me and their lo- and they're losing. And that was the part I, I remember something. like obviously I, I actually missed the NC state game because I was adjudicating a uh, a scholarship pageant. So I missed I, I to this day I've still not
0: you don't just get a breeze by that. <laughs> what, goes on, what goes on in a scholarship pageant? Do they come up um, That's
2: pocket the, That's the uh, that's the nice way of saying it's not a beauty contest, it's a scholarship pageant. Um, because they get, they get very mad if you call it beauty contest, even though there's definitely a swimwear portion of it. Well, actually this was the teen tournament. So I think they did a a ball gown instead, but I was the auditor.
0: Okay. That makes more sense.
2: I basically just kept the spreadsheet for the judges, but, um, so I never saw that game, but I got, I was looking at the, the increasingly frantic, uh, tweets, like, you know, in between, uh, you know, breaks and stuff like that. And I, I have not revisited that game because I just I think that there's really it will serve no purpose. It'll it'll just make me as because the thing I remember is Virginia Tech. Deshaun so Kaiser came out like was pants on were on fire. They played like with an enthusiasm that I felt like it was a senior day. And then they found a way to lose that game that I still don't understand. Like it just was like like the wheels just ever so slowly came off. The Stanford and game was the same way that year. The Stanford game was the same State. way, and the and the Duke game, where it was oh, like, God, where he, don't... where you know, he throws the pick and Trico goes, ah, that's just like a punt. It's not going to hurt him. And Duke literally goes down and kicks the game winning field goal. You know, and it's just like he was throwing out of his own end zone. He threw it fifty yards, and it got, it got picked off. And you didn't think like to yourself, well, well, we're fucked now. You
1: know, but that's exactly what happened. And then didn't yeah, he... that. The sh- Didn't the- Notre Dame finish that season ranked in Bill Connolly's top 25? Yes. The four yes. and eight team finished top
0: 25. Yes. Yeah. SP Yeah, I'm not, I can't remember the rank. I, I want to say it was like, like 24th or 12? something. No, it was high. It was in the top 15.
2: Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It, was a, it this, was a
0: belligerent season.
2: And I also remember feeling like how cursed is M- Malik Zaire because – I was at that game in Austin. He came in in the second series after Kaiser had uh, scored a touchdown in the first series. It was fourth and one, and I think it's McGlinchy, but somebody flinches. And so they have to punt instead of him keep going. Right, And then he comes in to Stanford to replace Kaiser, and we're not 100% sure why Kaiser gets benched because he's not playing great, but he's also like there's nothing to suggest that bringing in Zaire at that point would make anything better. And I don't know if it's the first series, but it's one of the series early right away that the ball goes right over Zaire's head and he, it's a safety, right? And it's right. just like, How cursed is this guy? He can't get he can't get a he can't get a series where something yeah, that has
1: nothing to do with him.
2: You know? And so that was that was supremely frustrating. That was supremely frustrating.
1: Well, thank you guys. I've never been wrong. So, um, we'll uh, move on to <laughs> the next question.
2: Well, so l- let me t- tell you, I, 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 if I haven't told this story before, I have definitely told it on Twitter. Um, I'm friends with a, uh, with a diehard Michigan fan. Uh, we talked a lot of shit, um, you know, throughout the years, I've probably known him since uh, probably 2009 Uh, So that's a bad time to start befriending people from Michigan um, or Michigan fans. But regardless, in 2012, I was flying high and I watched every single minute of ESPN coverage. Uh, You know, they bring out Eric Parsigian and Lou Holtz and Brian Kelly to, to sit out in Florida and talk about the great Notre Dame teams and how this was a team of destiny. And I was completely bought in. And so I bet him. I gave, he gave me nine and a half points against Alabama. And the bet was that the loser would buy tickets to the winner's choice of a game. And so, and, and wear a Jersey of the winner's choosing. So in 2013, I went to a Notre Dame or Notre Dame, a Michigan UConn game at Rensselaer field (laughs) and wore a Chad Henney Jersey on the same day that the Michigan state Notre Dame game happened. So we're literally watching the tailgate full of Michigan fans watching Notre Dame and Michigan's shit show, and that game is terrible, by the way. I've rewatched yeah. that one um, happen, and then go in for a night game against Connecticut, in which the only saving grace was that Connecticut almost won that game. They almost won that game, and I really wish they had because that would have made a little bit better. But I paid, you know, seventy-five bucks a ticket for those two seats, and then. Um I had to wear the Chad Henney jersey. Yeah, that was bad. That was no, a bad call. No that was not a bad great. call. Not great, Bob. Not great. not great, Bob. And you know what? I bet on the Dame Clemson game, lost like probably seventy five bucks on that, took bets from Clemson fans because I thought for sure that Dame would cover that spread against Clemson. Obviously they didn't. Um, I've
0: never gambled before.
2: Yeah. Uh, but I took a lot of money from Syracuse fans during that 2018 Shamrock series game. So I literally just funneled the money from Syracuse fans to Clemson. So
0: I don't know. That was was like a blue chipper coming in, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That was an easy, easy setup with Syracuse. They, uh, they really, uh, they really thought they had a chance. Uh,
2: Greg's friend, Michael Muto, I've lost to him twice. Um, and you Notre know, name USC games. I still have not learned my lesson. I'll probably take a bet from him again. Uh, he doesn't, the cool thing about Mike is he doesn't want the money. He wants to give it to a charity. So the first year I gave it to the uh, disaster relief for the wildfires in, in Los Angeles. I think I gave it to the, I think it was United Way of like Los Angeles County or whatever. And I can't remember who he made me donate to last time. Maybe like a immigrant organization, but it was actually kind of like You know, I'm always I'm always fearful that somebody will make a bet with me and then say, now you got to give it to Planned Parenthood, you know, or now you got to give it to Hillary Clinton's campaign or whatever. Like, that's where I'm like, (laughs) like, look, I've got to have I've got to have, you know, I've got to have a line that I draw somewhere, you know what I mean? So because I I I just I wouldn't ask somebody to give it to the March for Life if they didn't believe in it. You know what what I mean? Like, I I believe obviously strongly in it, but I think that's kind of unfair on on a sports bet, you know, so. Right. Yeah, I've been wrong a lot. So who's next? Continue, who's got the next one? I will continue to be wrong. Josh, I think it's you, buddy.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, I got, I got another, I got another softball lob up at you guys. So on a recent article on one foot down, I so I ranked Notre Dame's opponents for 2020. Yes. And I, I believe I went against the grain a little bit, but with, uh, but uh, so I want to know what you guys got to say about it. Who how do you rank out one, two, three, four, Notre Dame's top four opponents for 2020? Rank them out one through four. I, I I know some of it's a little easy peasy. So uh, rank but, them out uh, two through four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Club's number one. Uh that's easy as hell. But who yeah, who's two through four?
1: I mean, you have to pick the road team. Top's right, so USC's got to be two. Jude, you you in agreement with that? I think uh, you, I really, you
0: alluded to the fact that I really do like B-I USC. I yeah, I, I guess I would. I think Clay
1: I Helton might be fired
0: by that point, but I mean, <laughs> you, it's so you guys agree with me. I, I mean, I I put USC at number two. Yeah, I I, I thought it was gonna I was going to get a I lot flat flatback. I guess I would internally
2: debate Wisconsin versus USC but I, I just don't find fault with anybody that puts USC number two there. I, I, I came away really impressed with Keenan Slovis and I think he's, and I think i Ross and Brown continues to, to uh, make me feel uncomfortable. Well, my, po- my point so. was
0: regardless of, regardless of that, just go and look at Notre Dame's recent history trips out to LA. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, if they're there. not getting, if they're not getting blown out, it's still a closer game than we would expect. I mean, they're, they're still making it close with trash players. You know what I mean? So, and
2: I gotta be honest with you. Um, they're playing on my birthday and Notre Dame has a terrible record on my birthday. They just really never play November 28th games very well. Oh, so
0: God. why are you, so you guys both say USC two, right? Yeah. I would say USC too. Yeah. And then Wisconsin's gotta be three. I
1: don't put, I don't put Wisconsin three. I don't think Wisconsin's okay. going to be very good this year. I mean, okay. they lost, you, they're you, all everything. They're, they're turning over offensive linemen and Wisconsin takes time to marinate. Um, it's super weapon because it comes after the Stanford game, which is a night game, and it's before a bye week. It's like that getaway game before the bye week, and it's just you're going to Heinz Field, and it's just it's always sterile out there. And do you remember the last time they were at Pitt? Uh, you know, it just I don't know. I just there's something about the the super weapon. They they're returning a, a an experienced quarterback. I just uh, I was thinking about Louisville. Um, with it being before the sort of look ahead game, but, but
0: that's super weapon factor where did you have Wisconsin or Louisville then at four?
1: Uh, well, let's hear what Jude has at, uh, number three.
2: (laughs) 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 I'm going to go Wisconsin. I, I think it's chalk right now for me in terms of what I agreeing with Josh, but, um, if I put USC two, I've got to put Wisconsin three because that that was to me that was the debate two and two versus three there. So, all
1: right, well I'm, I'll do it then. I'll put um, not just I will put Louisville at number four. Um, Tutu Atwell is an explosive playmaker. Um, the kid's one hundred and sixty pounds, if that's soaking wet in you know his uh, Dragon Ball Z wow. training. Right. And he had 70 catches for one for 1276 last year. And they're returning a lot. Um, Satterfield's he's doing things down there at Louisville. Um, and there's that look ahead factor for USC. And let's say Notre Dame does beat Clemson. Right. Let's well, it's, operate. It's, in the above. it's new, new finals week, too. Right. It's new finals week. Right. It's it's. Yeah, I had a
0: long record. talk with my uh, brother in law uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, about all of this. Uh, it's uh, that Louisville game terrifies me. Yeah, but and let's say he's a you know professor there at ND, so I'm like gr- grilling him about okay, when are midterms? winter are finals? How are these things going? to <laughs> You know, what what little you know, just if I could get a little bit more extra insight onto what might be happening with them looking at gives a schedule, uh, and so yeah, that week of the uh, and it, look, it, it's senior day, so it, it's going to be senior day and finals week that same week. That is not a recipe for success. It is just not uh, I had I mean, because I had Wisconsin three, but I definitely had Louisville at number four um, because of Louisville is le- as a legit good football team. Yeah. And they're they did not even get their gonna, best. Quarter, we didn't even get their best quarterback last. Year. Right. Right. And then you but then you have finals going to be and the senior week. Out of the, senior dance out of that shit, man. That's just like you're just asking for trouble.
1: Yeah, and you're looking ahead to USC, and if they beat Clemson, it's going to be that uh, – and I bet Louisville at that point probably is re- – it's going to be – I don't know. May- it could end up being something like the Syracuse game where they end up just you know blowing them out and we were all wringing our hands because we were all wringing our hands about having to play Syracuse in New York City, right?
0: But Well, kind of, but it, we, I, the, the, that whole point of the travel thing, uh, we were proven right because I kept yeah. saying – the whole point was what happens – in LA. It, it, it in LA, they broke down. It wasn't really in New York. It's like, what, what's going to happen in LA and fuck, they were dead as hell. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if USC was, had any kind of coach other than Clay Helton, uh, they, they probably should have won that game. Jude, what do you, who do you got then at four? I
2: am intrigued by the, the pit super weapon, uh, argument, but, um, I, I just came away really impressed with, with uh, Scott Satterfield in Louisville last yeah. year. So I, 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 as much as it pains me to agree with you on the top four, I, I think that I, you and I well, are aligned here.
0: Would, would, would you put Cunningham five, then? the real deal? What's that? Would you put Pitt at five? You know, I mean, Navy, but yes, Arkansas, but the,
1: Western wake.
0: Do you know I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you my rankings. And then you can uh, wet yourself. Well, here, here's the thing, because like, I know you're going to agree with me. So I, just, Clemson, I think. USC, things, is Clemson. it possible
2: that Stanford is is secretly good this year? No, no, okay. no.
0: Clemson, USC, Wisconsin, Louisville, Pitt, Stanford, Navy, Arkansas, Wake Forest, Duke, Georgia Tech, Western.
2: I mean, it's hard to quibble with that, right? I mean, there's maybe one I would move up a slot and, and another I'd move down a slot, but it's, it's, that's pretty much where I live spiritually.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I looked at the Navy game, especially because of, uh, you know, being in their home stadium now. Um, I, I think there's a little, a, a team like Navy, like looks for those little edges of boosts. Uh, I think that gives them a little bit. Um, do don't, I think Stanford's on the way out, but I, in the end, I, I eventually just, you know, set on Stanford and then Navy. But I definitely – I have Pit at five uh, because I've – we could go to Pittsburgh and beat the shit out of them. Uh, and we could go to Pittsburgh and fucking lose pretty easily too. I I I have no idea. I mean you just don't know if they, they got it charged up or not.
1: I mean Feinstein be damned. Um <laughs> <laughs> playing in weird places helps Navy because it throws on more. So, that I mean, Navy's not going to get a bump at playing at home,
0: right? Gonna, Especially in front of like
1: thirteen people.
0: I'm going to interject here uh, because I was expecting Jude to write an article. Uh, <laughs> and he did not. So I, I, I calmed the I hell down. That's have, what happened. So I want to hand the uh, I want to give the floor to Jude here for a moment, which is ridiculous, but. Jude, you know what I'm getting at. uh, speak to the people. Tell, tell them about, uh, Mr. Feinstein and, uh, what, what, what went down there?
2: Yeah. So I will tell you that I know of John Feinstein, but I've never had a, a single interaction with him and I didn't know he was a presence on Twitter. I mean, obviously he's a blue check mark or whatever, but, uh, as Shania Twain once said that don't impress me much, um, John Feinstein wrote a, a column for the, uh, for the Washington post that the headline was, it shouldn't have taken a pandemic for Notre Dame to play Navy in Annapolis. And here's the crazy part. I agree with that. Um, I think I've been on this podcast pretty consistently saying that I would love to see something like that. I completely always understand. And I end up being the bad guy for defending, um, you know, Notre Dame and Syracuse or Notre Dame and Navy when they take these neutral site agreements instead of playing, um, you know, in, in each other's home stadiums, because I understand it. I understand. Um, I think I understand the financials that are involved in it. But I think it's great that they're playing Navy and Apple. Absolutely. I'm just. Yeah, I'm I am it. I'm 100% bummed that we can't get ourselves into that game because that would be or, a game that I. Would, we're
0: getting that, into West Point.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I would love. That's to, the whole point. Uh,
0: we like some cool, cool, some cool stadiums.
2: Yeah, that I would love to to go for. I mean, you do the something for the first time in ninety four years, um, you know that's cool. So yeah. Feinstein wrote this article, and to be honest with you, I found it very lacking. And and I think that my uh, my my problem was that I I hit him on the the nittiest pick uh, first, and I I didn't leave with my strongest argument because honestly, I expected sort of like ignoring or brush off or whatever and he reacted the complete opposite way which was like so what's your this is 2020 so what's your point right and so he had written two sentences in a row and, and again you know he his little defenders were like he's writing in present tense or whatever you know but the first sentence basically says this is the 94th time the navy and, and notre dame will play each other and, and it says this this series has been defined by one consistency, uh, Navy wears blue and Notre Dame wears white. And so, you know, it's a jerk. It's a little bit of a jerk thing. I'll, I'll I'll cop to that, you know, but I hit him back with the like, well, Notre Dame didn't wear white till the 1950s. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think I kind of expected him to say that. You knocked him off balance and he never, he never found his, uh, and later he he would go on to say that I really, it, it really got under his skin, which I, I think it's hilarious because first of all, I'm okay with being a nobody, you know? And and I God bless the people that jumped into my defense and said like, you know, like, you know, this guy's not a troll, like he knows what he's talking about or whatever. And 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 I love yeah, all those he
0: people He from- called you a troll instantly. I, yeah.
2: So, so he starts in with the what's your point? And I just said my point was that if you read those two sentences back to back, you could y- y- you I what I took away from it was that the only thing consistent in the 94 years is the color of the uniforms. And, and we've talked about this ridiculous, ridiculously a lot, like whatever people think is tradition for Notre Dame hasn't really been out around all that long. Um, no. and you know, some of that stuff started with Lou Holtz and obviously the 1950s predates Holtz or whatever, but, um, you know, sort of just sort of pinging him on that. And then he said, you know, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact words, but he said, are you a troll? Uh, you know, because only trolls would come up with that. Or and then he said something like, well, you, you must not be very bright. Right. So then I was like, OK, this is game on because th- this wasn't the only thing I had a problem with. Right. And, and my overarching point, and maybe I didn't make this very well, but my overarching point was that John Feinstein wants to blame Navy and Notre Dame equally for the reason that Navy has decided uh, the Notre Dame and Navy have decided never to play in Annapolis, and I categorically disagree with that. Okay? Who gets the pot for that game, Jude? Well, so, it's, a, it's a Navy home game, so Navy, control, Navy controls all of this, right? And so for John Feinstein to sit there and say um, Notre Dame wants to keep this game on its schedule because uh, they don't have to play a true road game and it's an easy win – I disagree. First of all, I disagree, and we could have gone through the whole like number of times that Navy came into this game ranked higher than Notre Dame because Navy used to have a really good team. Now, obviously, it was a little lopsided in the you know nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties and the nineteen nineties, but um, you know whatever. So he says, you know, he says N- Notre Dame has all the advantages. Look, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with that. Notre Dame has a ton of advantages over Navy. But when he says like, like no shit though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not okay. But teams that like teams that don't have advantage, like teams can win, you know what I mean? Like for him to say, for him to say Navy should never beat Notre Dame. I just, I don't, I just disagree. Okay. Mm -hmm. Navy has enough going on for itself. And second of all, when he was talking about Notre Dame, what, it, what Notre Dame's advantages are, he brought up the l- most laughable things that showed that he's completely out of touch with Notre Dame. He said, well, they have their own TV contract. Guess what? was so Navy. Navy has its own TV contract. It, it's on CBS <laughs> Sports Network. All their games are televised. No, not Every even single- anymore.
1: They're on the, the – the AAC has their own t- – they get, they get money from the AAC. They're, in, they're at a conference.
2: Yeah. I, like they're not lacking on exposure OK, this isn't the 1991 season in which Notre Dame's on NBC and nobody el- and everybody else is fighting for scraps that it- the ABC has, you know what I mean? Or ESPN has. OK, so like a lot of teams have a lot of games on. Second of all, he says that Notre Dame has recruiting advantages because of their tradition. I just I disagree. I, I think if you read it up about Elliott stories. If you talk to kids about, well, our last national championship was 1988, they're like, 1988? My dad was barely alive, you know? Um, there's no way that people are – if Brian Kelly is going into people's homes and saying, I got to tell you about this great guy named Eric Parsesian, like he's going to lose every 18-year-old, you know what I mean? Like that's not – like you could say tradition in the sense that we've got a beautiful campus and the golden dome and if those things are tradition to you then okay fine or whatever like gold helmets or whatever if that's what tradition is what he means by tradition but if he's talking about a tradition of winning conference championships or national championships we haven't had that we haven't had that tradition You know, yeah. Of course, we had that (laughs) tradition uh, between uh, 1920 and 1988, but we haven't had much of that tradition since 1988, right? And so, like, that was the other thing. And so he just said, and then what? The the thing that really set me off that he he must have muted me because he never responded to this was he said, "There's a reason that Notre Dame and Navy won't play at." Uh, in Annapolis, because the stadium, basically, say the stadium's too small. It only seats thirty-six or thirty-eight thousand people. Okay, well, Notre Dame played a BB&T Field, which the attendance was that day was thirty thousand five hundred twenty-nine or nine hundred twenty-five or thirty-one thousand fifty-nine or whatever it was. Uh, that's a lot less, right? And so Notre Dame is along for the ride. And what he says. This is not this is not a true road game. Notre Dame had to go to San Diego before they went to the Bronx, before they <laughs> went to Los Angeles. Like, do you think that Notre Dame was psyched about doing that instead of going to Annapolis? I'm sure they much more would rather have preferred to play in Annapolis. So the, don't the give, Bro- don't. John Feinstein is a known Notre Dame hater. He completely says he hates Warbrick. He hates Brian Kelly. Uh, he's pissed, still pissed off about the Declan Sullivan thing, which is just mind-boggling to me. And so he has an axe to grind against Notre Dame, and so he, he can't come up with valid reasons for hating on Notre Dame, and so he tries to lump them in this whole, like, Notre Dame sold its soul for the almighty dollar or whatever, and it's like Notre Dame is just going along with whatever Navy wants. If Navy's like, hey, let's do it in San Diego because we got a base there or whatever. And so John right, and that's- over overarching point was like, well, they should want a true home game, but even he admits that when he talks to players, that's they don't want that. They want to go play Army in Philadelphia. They want to go play Notre Dame in San Diego and Baltimore and wherever. But that's
0: the broader point, that's the broader point about this whole thing is that it's Navy's fucking choice. Yeah. Navy's to decide. Now, does Notre Dame encourage them? Do they are they like yeah well, that's they cool. don't discourage absolutely. them? That's what I would yeah, say. They don't, they, don't they don't discourage discourage the, the neutral site games because that is under that falls under Notre Dame's fucking territory. They right. that's something they do. So yeah, they're absolutely okay with Navy doing that. But again, that is Navy's fucking choice. And because Notre Dame has tied this got this fucking Wookiee life debt with Navy, it doesn't matter what they do, they'll just go along with it. Because they feel that they they have some fucking blood oath that they have to live by. That, you that's know, it. That's Navy the only thing. had well, Navy only of, had because, to because but Navy once ends up benefit Notre Dame. That's not That's not Notre Dame's fault. I right. mean, it's uh, so, Navy's fault for not trying to t- trying to find a more competitive advantage against Notre Dame. They're out there looking for the buck. They don't give a. Sh- They're giving less about the win and more. They care more about the visibility. And the money that comes along with what with what their decision is—that's on happened? them. That's on Navy. And the, the other Navy thing is, Feinstein makes the point. makes point that that
2: you know every year they trot, they 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 trot out this really corny story about World War II and how Navy saved Notre Dame, and that's the reason they play at neutral site. Bull fucking crap. They were playing Navy and neutral site games before World War II. Like, does this guy not have a basic understanding of how? Can he look in a history book? You know, can he look up a
0: Wikipedia article? Navy's only had two sellouts the first time in how many years? And then go back and look when was World War II? Uh, Navy's Navy's had two sellouts
1: of their stadium since 2017, and their stadium capacity is 34. And both of those games were Air Force games. So if you're Navy and you're regularly you know hitting maybe 28,000, uh, so below well below capacity. And the opportunity arises where you can play Notre Dame and get in the get the the, the ticket sales for 60,000 if you're at San Diego or uh, where did they play? Uh, Jacksonville Stadium, right? Didn't yeah. Isn't that where they played yeah. in 2016? 2016, they yeah. sold 62,000 tickets, played Cleveland in Cleveland
2: back in the day. Yeah, back I mean, in the day
0: they did. Yeah,
1: that's that one game against Notre Dame at a neutral site field is like two home games.
0: And see, so, yeah, that's the thing. I agree with. That's what's so frustrating about the the whole thing with Feinstein on this article, is in a in a broader sense. I agree with them one hundred percent. Navy should fucking just play this game. I would I would probably slow my rhetoric down quite a bit about Notre Dame dropping Navy. If we could play in Annapolis, I because I can't stand the fucking neutral site games. Period. If Navy got rid of that and we were playing at Navy every other year, that I, I think I would be. I mean, I'm sure I would still pitch. I would pitch a pitch, you know, five years after the line, but I would still be more inclined to be cool with it. Look, uh, so, it, it is interesting. It is. It is a cooler thing. It,
2: and, and I want to. I don't want to. I want to piggyback off of that. He says that the only way for Navy to have an advantage over Notre Dame in terms of fans is to have the game in Annapolis. And I disagree. Bullshit. I disagree with that too. I disagree. If this was, if this was a game that had regular access to tickets, I would be very interested in going to this game as a Notre Dame fan, because this is the first time in 94 years, they played on Navy's at Navy's home stadium. And this is, this is like, this is a destination game. This is Georgia or Nebraska. You know, this is a destination game. Do do I think that Notre Dame fans could put twenty thousand butts in a thirty-four thousand seat stadium? Absolutely, I, I absolutely do.
0: And so the only the thing, way that why maybe, are you and you're vilifying Notre Dame for having a lot of fans, like right. Like, and so I just he's holding look, it I against would, them like, as if any other big big name blue chip program out there that was in Notre Dame situation wouldn't be the same fucking thing. I, I mean, you're you're making it out to be. You're turning the this into a devil type situation, but you know if, if Alabama had, was in the same type of scenario, same thing. Michigan, same thing. It, it's David versus Goliath. It it has been for many, many, many years, for decades, and it probably will be for many more decades. I it's just there's no way around it. Uh, you know if if the if that was a here's the point. Put it in Orlando, okay? So the game in Orlando. Then why, did, why couldn't Navy's fans show up in force? There are there are lots of Navy fans across the country. Or why were they showing up in force out in San Diego? Uh,
1: military – ba- they Notre put Dame's- them in cities with military bases typically.
0: Right, that's right. Why so San you, Diego should have, and you should have, have a lot more fans, quote-unquote fans. But they don't. So, but that's not Notre Dame's fault. It's not Navy's fault either. I mean they're just trying to get well. – they're doing the what they're is, trying
2: to do. The other thing is Feinstein blames um, Notre Dame for basically – snookering uh navy into playing a game in dublin in 1996 and in 2012 it's like uh i you're you know he's like well what's the you know what's the name of the because somehow because we're the fighting irish that we would be interested in playing games in ireland yeah we're interested in playing games in ireland but like at the same time it's all about the opportunity and so if navy says no no thanks we'd rather put it at a military base then we're gonna have it at a military base but if Navy's like, yeah, this would be a great opportunity for our fans to go overseas. And oh, by the way, this is a great opportunity for our kids. Let's play in Ireland. Like for Feinstein's
0: Dame- theory to be true, for, Fein- for Feinstein's, for it to be anywhere near accurate, it would have to be under the assumption that Navy, that Notre Dame is holding the series contract over Navy's head. Yeah. Like if we don't get this, we're not going to play you anymore. And that is absolutely, That's absolutely not true. Fucking false. That's Which I wish it was. I wish it was absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it is not. It is absolutely fucking false. I what just – I can't believe he spent like that much time dealing with that shit.
2: <laughs> well, the funny thing was I, I stopped talking to him, right? And and it was just – and I got to give credit to all the other people that jumped in because he started in with the ad hominem attacks. He said he'd be embarrassed to have a degree from Notre Dame because he'd share it with the likes of me or whatever. And so and that, I, was I, that was the last that was the last comment I made it for him for probably like six hours. And then I tried to come back because he said he said something to the fact and he's like, I haven't said one thing wrong. Nobody's fact checked me or whatever. And I was just like, I told you about the Wake Forest thing and you haven't responded to that. But then I figured he must have muted me because he wasn't he wasn't responding to me. He was only responding to people that had tagged me in their response tweets. And so I was like, OK, this is fine or whatever. Like he, he clearly doesn't want to listen. He just wants to just be mad, and that's the thing is he admitted that he he has an axe to grind that I got under his skin and, and I didn't even mean to, um, and that I had that I had no points, but he didn't try to dispute any of the points that I made that the, the points that I raised. Like you cannot say that Notre Dame refuses to play at in Annapolis when they literally played at BB&T Field and nobody said boo.
1: Yeah. otherwise, and why they, play at Stanford, more than, they play at Stanford Stadium, or, you know, at the farm every other year, <laughs> and they might have 15,000 fans at the stands, right? Maybe
0: 15,000 fans in those stands? He only wanted to pontificate. The, you know, he wanted to take cheap was, shots listen, at Notre Dame, and I objected. Listen, I, get I, just objected I, I get it. I get it. There's been many articles that I have written where, I, you know, publish it, and then there's instant clapback because I uh, – You know, so someone found what I said either misleading or wrong, or you know, or what for whatever reason. I mean, people don't share the same opinions. Uh, It's okay, Uh, but so, but to have the thought that no one's going to disagree with you—that that's basically what he—he was so put off that someone. Disagreed with his opinion about yeah. this whole situation. One of his that's comments was, away. Like, if his you comments don't understand, is,
2: people- he should have he should have just said Notre Dame. Ha- I agree with you that Notre Dame has all the advantages. So you're just looking for people to echo your sentiment, okay? What's the point of saying, Hey, go check out my story'? Like that's the tweet I responded to. The first well, tweet I responded point of to saying was,
0: Notre Dame has an advantage over Navy. No shit, they're Notre Dame wanted, and that's Navy. He wanted clicks, and how dare
1: this dirty, unwashed." Filthy, unblue <laughs> checkmarked commoner like Jude Seymour at NDJR. Jude
0: is the unwashed. <laughs> How dare Jude, this the
1: unwashed. untouchable Jude, the unwashed, step to him <laughs> in his lofty ivory tower of blue Twitter <laughs> checkmark verified status, step to him and, and dare, uh, dare utter anything other than glowing praise for his article that was behind a paywall it actually did reminded I, me i of titled inter- this
0: podcast jude the unwashed
2: <laughs> uh, it actually I, reminded me I, of my interactions with tim brando on twitter which is like you know he like at one point feinstein said i i object to the name calling like I, I don't names. i don't like it I, yeah i don't like it when it when it gets personal or whatever it's like
0: yeah, but he you, called you a your, troll.
2: Your your, your literal it. first response to me is, are you some sort of troll? And then he said that I'm not too bright or maybe I'm not too bright. And then he said he'd be, be embarrassed to share a degree with the likes of me <laughs> from Notre Dame. Like, like are, what planet do you live on where you don't hear yourself speaking? And I feel like Tim Brando is the same exact way. Because Feinstein, like, a couple people would jump in and say, like, hey, John, I read the article. Great stuff. And he's like, He's like, yeah. He's like, these Notre Dame people are all over me. I don't know why. Like, uh, I think we know why, because you were, you were lazy in your analysis. And then when somebody called you on it, you immediately got defensive by, by attacking them personally, not attacking their arguments. Look, as I said to John, reasonable people could disagree reasonably, but he was never interested in having a reasonable discourse. He just wanted people to agree with him. I just, I don't understand the point of being on Twitter. Maybe he's, maybe he's
0: frightened. I mean, The Athletic did lay off uh, 46 people. Uh, Our own company, uh, SP Nation Vox, decided that, you know, our best fucking national talent uh, is better off elsewhere, uh, which is a fucking joke. Uh, So maybe he thought in this climate that, you know, he needs his job. Uh, What is he with? The Washington Post? I don't even think he's I think he's
2: just an occasional contributor. I'm not sure he's an actual staffer.
0: There you go. He he wants to make sure they're still coming out so he he can get a quick payday. Uh, You know, and if they think if they see all these tweets of people calling him a fucking moron because he's a fucking moron, uh, maybe they won't come back again and and give him a check.
2: Or maybe he's
0: like, I got engagement. (laughs) I got clicks. Just like Brennan said. Look at me. I got clicks. I don't don't think he's that smart. I mean, I'm I'm not saying he's stupid. But I'm saying, I don't think he was looking at that. I, I, I think he couldn't believe that publicly someone was arguing with him. And How that dare one Jude the Unwashed Dared Jude the Unwashed. It. All right. Well, I think we're going to <laughs> wrap it all up. Jude, uh, do, do, do you have anything more to add uh, to that amazingness?
2: I don't think there's anything I can say that would top my six-hour beef yeah. with John Feinstein on a random day.
0: No, that was fantastic. And, and I'm not going to give Burnham the opportunity to uh, to say anything because after the alma mater, you're going to get a fucking haunted doll story uh, because that's what we do here on the Op podcast. We are here to please. Uh, and I, we do whatever. Uh, I'm fucking drunk. I have <laughs> I've slammed back in this episode. I have probably had uh, eight or nine beers uh, just tossing these things back. Wow. Um, God damn, what hold on. I, I want to give a shout out to uh Jackie O's Pub and Brewery uh for their Razz Wheat, Raspberry Wheat Ale. Uh, yeah, I've i I put this shit back like fucking water. Uh this here a single clan, can click. That's pretty amazing. I heard one Listen. click. Okay. Yeah. Oh I <laughs> so anyways, um. Yeah, dude, that, that was uh, that went down pretty smooth. So, congratulations to Jackie O's. Uh, it's good stuff. All right, so well, that's it. So, we uh, after the <laughs> Almamata, stay tuned. <laughs> like I said, I've had a few. <laughs> I got From two the left knoll. So, <laughs> shit. Stay tuned uh, after the Almamata, and you will get a haunted doll story, uh, which I'm sure is going to be fantastic. Also, please don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It is so fucking very important. I'm trying to get us to a 200 uh, ratings before the season starts. Uh, we are like neck and neck with Pot of Gold as far as number of ratings. Uh, and I want to be able to um, hold that over their heads for no reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look, I, I, I love those guys, so it, it's all good. But um, get them out there. Again, whatever rating, you, wherever you know review you leave i'm gonna fucking read the thing uh apparently which way that, that was pretty uh pretty ironic today to uh to read that review and then for brendan to set it off with the question that he had so brilliance is uh, brilliance is always in the making of this podcast so anyways thanks again and go irish All right, Brendan, go ahead and, and shoot us the uh, – sh- give the story. Give it up. Okay. Um, so
1: it was just after – it was it was a few years ago, and it was just after my um, grandma passed. And she was like 96 years old. She was born on like a steamboat in uh, the bayou, and then she grew up in, in Chicago, and she had this old creepy-ass fucking doll. It's like – you know the porcelain dolls where like you lift them up, and the eyes go from closed, and then you lift it and the eyes open it up. And this doll was probably made in the 1930s, so it's like real old, most of the paint was worn off it. One of the eyes never closed. So the eye was just always just open and staring at you dead, sort of like the, the Clemson mascot. <laughs> and my mom's got this habit of every time when there's, there's um, stuff, that she accumulates from a, a, a fallen McElindon. Um, they try, they just try and unload it on us. So my mom's like, Oh, you should take this. So, so you can give it to Sophia when she grows up. And I look <laughs> at this, this doll and I'm like, why would my daughter ever want this? Like nasty ass? Like it, it looked like a haunted doll. Like half. It's like, it it's like
2: Annabelle. I'm I'm thinking of it's,
1: Annabelle it's, from it's the exactly, horror movie. It is yeah. exactly like Annabelle. And it came oh, out. That's kind of, and so it was around the time Annabelle came out and we were just moving to our new house where we're at now. And Christy and I were packing everything up and Christy goes, Brendan, I don't want this doll anymore. It is it is creepy and let's get rid of it. And I go, all right, I have this great idea. There is, in the way that our old house was is there was a, um, where the, uh, the water meter was, there was like this little piece, a wooden board that you'd have to like pull off and put to like check the water reading inside the house. And I was like, what if we, for the next, the next people that come here, we put this creepy haunted doll inside there? And this is like as we're moving out. Chrissy's like, yeah, I just do whatever you want. I don't want this doll in the house. It creeps me out. And I go, okay. And she watched me put it in there, close it up, and then we left the house for good. That was like the last thing that we did when we left the house. Well, I needed to drop the key off in order to, you know, pass along the key, so I didn't have it anymore. Well, before I was like sitting in front of the house waiting to drop off the key and I go, I'm going to grab that fucking haunted doll. So I went back into the house, grabbed the doll and put it back into my trunk. And this isn't like, you know, springtime. And so I brought it back. Christy doesn't know this. And I brought it back to my house and Christy kind of she believes in ghosts. Um, She'll kill me if she finds out that I told this story, much less that she believes in ghosts. Um, so I I bring the doll back into the house and. Um, I bring it to our new house. And so we move in and we're we're packing everything up. And it's, um, you know, getting to be around fall and the light switch in our basement. And Chrissy's like, hey, Brennan, do you know where she was looking for some sort of DVD for Sophia to watch? I think she wanted to show her Beauty and the Beast for the first time. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, It's in the basement under the steps. And we have a finished basement. But like the light switch, if you were to, the the way, before I replaced the electrical, like the, the light switch, if you put it in a certain place, the lights would turn off in the basement. So I knew Christy was going under the basement steps. So I put the haunted doll underneath the basement steps and then set up the light switch to, it was almost like a timer for them to go off. So Christie's
2: this is so devious
1: underneath the steps, looking I'm for murdered. a DVD. And she goes, Brandon, the haunted doll. And then just as she says <laughs> the haunted doll, the lights in the basement just click off. And I shit you not. Oh my god. Like, it was a sphincter clinching scream. And she goes, how did this doll get into the house? And I go, Christy, I have no idea. We need to get rid of it. And so she's like, What do we do? What do we do? And I go, Let's drive it out to the lake. There's a lake just down here. Let's drive it out to the lake, and I will throw it into the lake. And she's like, All right. And she grabs our eleven-month-year-old daughter, puts her in the car seat, and we drive out to the lake. And I back up the car, and the car that we, we took her car, which was at the time a it was a Mazda 3. So I like pop open the trunk, and I grab the shoebox that the doll's in. I take the doll out of the shoebox. I grab a rock from the ground as I'm grabbing it, and Christy watches me as I toss the shoebox into the water, and then it slowly sinks to the bottom. And we drive away, and like I kid you not, as we were driving there, it was nine o'clock at night. Or something? It it was not. I can't remember. But the the way that the light—it was just as the lights, the street lights were turning off. So like the street lights were turning off as we're driving out of the uh, out of the neighborhood to go to this lake. So you know that's in the fall, and so I still have the creepy doll. It's in the it's in the trunk. So then, being the 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 sort of um, devious person that I am, I leave the doll in the trunk and then I wait till she goes to bed and then I go and I hide it somewhere out throughout the house. I wait till the winter time. And then I wait till the first snow, which that year didn't happen to be until Christmas, the day after Christmas, the 26th. And we were going to visit Christie's parents on that day. And that How night are you that divorced the, that day <laughs> I I go outside and like, I, I bring a broom and I mark, I, I put the doll and I leave footprints of the doll and I just put it sitting on the front doorstep and then brush away my footprints. And then as we're pulling out of the driveway and we're going down the road and she looks up toward the house and sitting on the doorstep and it had snowed that night, it looked like it was just soaking wet and there was snow on it was the doll just sitting there just like looking at her with the one ruined eye and she just grabs my arm as I'm driving the car and she just lets out the most terrifying scream that I've ever heard. And she was like, we need to move out of this house. And she just starts <laughs> Screaming at me to like, how did the dog get out of there? I saw you throw it in the lake. And like, I'm, I like at that point, I was just like, uh, it, it. so I may, and she like gets on the phone with her sister. It's just like the creepy doll's back. I'm like Christy. I may or may not have haunted you with this doll. And I <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. And you're still married. And I, can't, I'm, uh, I am
2: not I can't still believe I... she. How long did it take her to to talk to you after that? I mean, she must was she like was she like oh you played me girl or was she so mad? I think I'm gonna be so mad.
1: It was a mixture of both because, yeah. um, <laughs> like, the con was so good.
2: It was a sweet con. It
1: was that's solid. I mean, that is solid. It was a good con. Um, there was there were certain factors. Uh, I like how I you could, like
2: would wait months. Like you wouldn't try to like immediately like oh no that's you the, know the, the doll's back he, a day the, later or whatever. You're like you're like lying in wait.
1: The key yeah. to a good con is you have to let it play, and I've seen yeah. it enough horror movies, and it was around the same time that Annabelle came out, which like further accentuated her uh, fear of it. And yeah, you you got it, you got to let those things play. Uh, let that be a lesson to everybody. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, the long con is the best con.
2: That's <laughs> a great oh, story. Okay.
0: All right, well that was the doll story. So I hope everybody. Uh... <laughs> I uh, hope everybody stuck around and listened to it. So, Ugh. Brendan, you are bad. If I was your wife, I'd be like, you are a son of a bitch. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, y'all.